Hey everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting across the table from me is my wife of four years, Jenny. Happy anniversary, Jenny. Happy anniversary, Andy. Thank you. And hello, listeners. And hello, listeners. Uh, And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello, and happy anniversary. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Technically, it was yesterday, but uh, we didn't record yesterday, so. Fair. Yeah. So, a lot of stuff to get into today, as usual, but we're going to start this show off the same way we start every show off, with the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Woohoo! Jenny, what are we doing this week? Well, Andy and I splurged, because it was our anniversary, so we went with a Ruinart Brut Rosé. We've had this one before. Uh, Ruinart is the oldest champagnery. Like, full Period. stop. Yeah. yeah, full stop. And I think it's perfect. It's pretty damn good. Satisfying pop. That is a very nice pop. It's been a while since I've uh, been well. had a pop on the show. I got a little absorbed with the claw. Got a little crack heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, she, she, before she fully processed what that meant, she, when she, she just looked at me with wide eyes as I said, crack to her. Confused her of blood usage, Andy. How dare you? I was confused. All right. Well, Megan, what do you have down Cincinnati Way? Oh, I get to be you this week and not have anything because I've already got this pre opened bottle of Leadson that I started yesterday and have not finished. Oh, hell yeah. What, what, uh, which one is it? It is the Sonoma Valley Petite Syrah from 2016. And oh. yesterday it was very delicious. I anticipate it continuing to be delicious, but it won't make any sound when I open it. It might mellow out because was yesterday, was it like real intense? It was. I bet it'll be a little bit more mellow today. Petite Syrah, I think, is like the most intense wine. I never thought I liked Petite Syrah, but I don't know if it's as I get older or what. I think I kind of like it. I thought you didn't like Syrah. You know what? I'm confused about what wines I do and don't like. Yeah, It could be that this is a Leadson. It could be that it's a Petite Syrah. It could be the combination. But I found that I really like this one, intensity and all. Yeah. But it's also more expensive than any of the wines I've been drinking recently. So that could be a thing, too. That's true. Yeah, I, I like a petite Syrah, but it's very intense. But I do not like a Syrah. Okay. I think we also, uh, there's a Syrah in our batch this this Yes. One. I think oh. there is. So I might try that soonish to try and compare. Because uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know what the technical difference is between the two. I'm assuming petite is uh, lighter. As far as like... No. Oh, see, I'm bad at it. It's a totally different grape, um, but a Petite Syrah is much more intense than a Syrah. It's it's not spelled the same either. Okay. Oh, you're right, because this is a S-R-I-R-A-H. Syrah is S-Y-R-A-H. Yep. So it's okay. an entirely different grape. And then there's also Shiraz, right? There is a Shiraz, yes. But Yeah. yeah. But that's an Australian grape? So... Syrah and Shiraz are the exact same grape. Oh, okay. Um, 
It says much like Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris are the same grape. Well, um, then, you know, you're probably right. It's probably Syrah that I don't know if I like because Shiraz is also kind of a toss up as far as like some of them I like and some of them I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so in France, the grape is called Syrah and in Australia, the grape is called Shiraz. So that's what... But it's the same grape. It's the same grape. Okay. But then a Petite Syrah is an entirely different grape. And that's the S-I-R-A-H Syrah, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and I guess apparently Petite Syrah is also called Durif, which is a totally different name. Um, California wines name it Petite Syrah for marketing purposes. Hmm. What grape is it, though? It doesn't tell me what grape it is. Let me see. And it doesn't tell me any, like, stylistic notes about it. Thanks, Vino Vino. Duraf is the the variety of grape it is. Oh, okay. So it's just called Duraf. Yeah. I have never heard it called that. Me either, but that's not outside of the... It's supposed to be outside of the U.S. It's because you guys are suckers for marketing. Duraf doesn't sound like a very, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice grape that you'd want to be drinking. That's Petite's... why they. That's why they renamed it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. See, this is more education than I expected on mm-hmm. the bottle that I had pre-opened. So, but I wanted you, to Jenny. like hear the like. What are some of the characteristics of it? Um, it, it produces tannic wines with a spicy, plummy flavor. And what does Syrah do? Like S-Y-R mm-hmm. Syrah? Let's find out. Syrah produced medium to full-bodied wines with medium plus to high levels of tannins and notes of blackberry, mint, and black pepper. So medium-bodied. Yeah. And Petite Syrah is full-bodied. Which you wouldn't think, listening to the... But it's not pepper. spelled the same. It's not, it's, not, <clears throat> it's not like a little Syrah. Well, you, no, I mean, but it, but it is... Petite, that's that you you would think that would be a less full-bodied wine. I picture it as little in my head. Yeah. Are we ready to move on for the pop of the week? I, I think feel that's like really interesting. Not all like, of this is gonna make it in. <laughs> I feel like Megan and I have had this conversation multiple times and Megan hasn't quite it hasn't quite sunk in. Did Megan about... get drunk before, during, yeah. or after? Yeah, I think so. Well then that's why. We've had this conversation with Connor. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> So, before we get into everything else, uh, please give us a follow at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. And Jenny pointed something out to me this past week that we complain about WWE and we complain about AEW and how they've behaved during these COVID times TM. But we never give any companies credit for how they're handling. And so, specifically, what I wanted to do today was talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling because they held a little press video. They just posted a little press video on their YouTube channel a couple of days ago to announce what their plans are. They haven't run a show since February. They shut down immediately. They did not run any empty arena shows in the interim to try to, you know, keep things going. They didn't, they didn't do any of that. They just, like, kept their people safe and sound at home 
And now that Tokyo is is coming out of emergency lockdown, uh, they are going to resume live events beginning next Monday. And so this will be their it'll be their first show since February twenty sixth, which is just amazing when you yeah. think of when you think of it like WWE and AEW have been running combined four four television shows a week this entire time and more on uh, pay-per-view weeks. But uh, this will be New Japan coming back for the first time. Uh, they announced a series of shows for June and early early July. They'll take, be taking place without fans before running July 11th and July 12th at Osaka Joe Hall, which will be operating at one-third capacity. So they, for the end of this tour... It's looking like they're actually going to be able to run a show and have 5,000 fans in attendance. Wow. Which is super cool, I think. Things are going well in Japan? Yeah, that they're out of lockdown. They're out of emergency. Okay, but I meant like their cases are... I mean, we went out of lockdown and, yeah. you know, without really... I feel like... much. Yeah, I think, I think the Japanese are doing better with the social distancing and the mask wearing... Um, because you know, like the mask wearing has already been a part of their culture since since the SARS outbreak in like 2003. Yeah. So, but so then a couple days later, they put out uh, policies and countermeasures regarding COVID-19 for wrestling events, first edition, because Ooh. you know it might it might change. I'm sure it's going to change. I, I'm sure it's going to be a very fluid list. Yeah. So. It's basically just saying what's going to be done for the wrestlers. Um, twice daily, taking their temperature upon waking up and going to bed. Um, logging all that stuff. Uh, wrestlers will record the date, place, and people who are in physical contact as much as detail as possible when taking unavoidable actions, which would be a risk of infection. Uh, trainers are kind of doing the same thing. And... Here is what the uh, the attendees must do for those last two shows. Make a legal declaration that they are complying with this policy. <laughs> Wear a mask that completely covers one's mouth and nose. Consent to a temperature check. Disinfect hands with alcohol spray. Submit one's name, home address, and contact details. Record the time of visit. And... The- <laughs> I just love the way this is written. Leave the venue as soon as achieving one's objectives of visiting. (laughs) Amazing. That's great. (laughs) Wash and disinfect hands with alcohol frequently. Wear a mask. Limit conversation and physical contact with other visitors to a minimum. Uh, If conversation is unavoidable, visitors must maintain a two-meter distance. And my, uh, my personal favorite, please keep down the cheering. So that spit doesn't go yeah. anywhere? Yeah. That's funny. Aren't they relatively quiet and polite when they cheer as it is? They get pretty rowdy when, like, the near falls start happening, though. Okay. It kind of, they kind of build, you know? Yeah, I just feel like there are a lot of, like, golf clap level celebrations, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, was, I was very pleased to see them be so transparent with their plan and, and that they've had such restraint because they are not 
they are there have been a lot of companies in Japan who have been running this entire time. Oh really? Just with empty like doing the same kind of thing that AEW and WWE are doing, like using using other wrestlers as people in attendance or running just completely empty arena. But yeah, like there have been people running from like the day of lockdown almost. So so yeah, so good for New Japan. Um, this makes me want to support them. And uh, yeah, so I just I thought I thought we should Jen, Jenny thought we should talk about that. So I'm glad we did. I have one question. Um, I'm curious. Uh as to their TV setup. Yeah. Like, what? what is it? Yeah. They have a weekly television show. And is that on... I don't know much about Japanese TV to know if it's more like a... Uh, like a TNT or like a BBC, you know? Um, it is... It's, it's on like a network... But it's in like a it's it's like two in the morning. Oh, it's not like primetime no. TV. Okay. Now, have they been? Do you know? Have they been running like old shows or? I, I I'm sure if if they're running at all, they, it would have to be yeah. Okay, I was just curious how that because when we looked more into some of the contract stuff, I think Dave Meltzer had put some of the specifics for like the, the at least the WWE contracts. I think WWE had talked a little bit about like. They're only allowed to have three shows or something like that that are um, not live. Not yeah, something like that. Yeah, or recycled content. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I, I was just curious if um, New Japan had been held any stringent type of contract stuff for their TV series. My general thought is that other countries appear to be taking the pandemic much more seriously and are willing to sacrifice up front so that the effects are curtailed and then they can open at a later time, whereas America is just so damn entitled to their rights to get a haircut and whatnot that we're really screwing it up in comparison. So I'm glad other countries are doing it right. But I also, um, I think we all had a moment this week where we thought, is is the pandemic over because everybody seems to have forgotten that we have a pandemic so i don't know just generally speaking i think they were ahead of us anyway but it's nice to know that even in places that were doing well new japan appears to be ahead of the game and i'll continue to support them i love the g1 tournaments and stuff and new japan world is very affordable yeah and actually they are doing uh their new japan cup tournaments over the course of the next month and then uh the the shows in front of fans the last two shows will be the finals of that tournament and then the winner of that tournament facing tetsuya naito for the iwgp heavyweight and intercontinental championships so but unfortunately no will osprey in that tournament as he is in england and boy are we going to talk about some of the choices companies made for bringing in foreign talent today uh Oh. Okay, well that takes us just into our regular content. Beam 7, colonoscopy. They didn't have any ideas this week. That's what I determined. <laughs> and so Christopher Daniels talked about his colonoscopy for about five minutes, which was interesting and entertaining, but I could you could totally tell they were just filling time. Yeah, it's um, 
man, it's depressing to hear what it's like to get old and know that that's coming. <laughs> was everything okay with his colonoscopy? I think so. He didn't indicate otherwise, but... Yeah, at a certain age, I think it's just a routine thing you have to start doing, and that's the part that scares me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he, he said to turn 50 and they gotta shove a camera up your ass. <laughs> so, uh, yeah... That's basically what I took away from being elite. Megan, did you have any other thoughts on the program this week? No, I actually thought back to a couple weeks ago uh, where we kind of glossed over the episode of being the elite and didn't talk about the amazing funeral segment for um, Vanguard Vanguard One. One. I guess we didn't, did we? Huh? We did not. And I felt like since nothing happened this week, I just wanted to bring that up as a highlight of a couple weeks back. It was pretty good. It uh, It was reminiscent of... The, uh, the Joey Ryan funeral. Yeah. It was brilliant. Good comedy. They had stuff to do back then. Yes, yeah. This, like, you know, I, I texted you and said, I asked you if you'd watch BTE, and you said yes, and I said, like, it really seems like they didn't know what they were doing this week. And, and you pointed out that it's been a week, you know, um, for America, and maybe they just weren't feeling too inspired or something. Yeah, I wouldn't expect them to necessarily address that on BTE other than maybe Adam Page doing one of his hero rants that it's he ties into his storyline brilliantly but uh mm-hmm. I also I could see how they just didn't really want to pile on to everything going on yeah and at 12 minutes it was definitely the shortest episode in a while yeah all right that takes us to AEW Dark for June 9th 2020 a 90-minute show that I did not watch. Megan, did you watch any of this? Oh, no. I saw the timestamp. Okay. We watched it the week before, and we were happy with it. It was 44 minutes. Yeah, and it was good. It was. I really liked that type 44. This was 90 minutes. This was double that. Now, we can... We can run the show down because I, I found a report, and it actually seems like they did a couple of storyline things on this show, which is shocking. But uh, it opened up with Lowrider and Fuego Del Sol taking on SCU. SCU got the win with SCU later in 2 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, we had the spokesman of the Dark Order hand Alan Angels a mask and renamed him number 5. Then Brody Lee welcomed a five to the Dark Order. So Alan Angel is now uh, part of the Dark Order. And There's still the six, number six for Brandon Cutler. Yeah. If they ever go back to that. I don't think they will. We had Lee Johnson versus five, uh, who was out there with Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and ten. And uh, five beat Lee Johnson. Poor Lee Johnson. <laughs> Poor Lee Johnson. They are going to have to do some major rehab on him when they decide he's worthy of having any sort of push. Yeah. Has he been signed? Lee Johnson? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I haven't seen that post on social media that says Lee Johnson is all elite. Mm, I like him. Yeah. Uh, We had Musa and Brady Pierce versus Santana and Ortiz and Santana and Ortiz... One with a street sweeper in five minutes and ten seconds. Uh, QT Marshall approached Dustin and Brandy 
and said that the tag match is now a singles match. And I don't know what that's a reference to. But uh, Allie convinced QT that Dustin was a legend and therefore should sit it out. Oh, okay, so they were going to have a they were going to have a, a tag team match and Allie was like, Dustin's too old. He then presents them both with a Natural Nightmare shirt that Allie designed that features QT in the middle of the shirt and a much smaller Dustin and Brandy below him. That actually sounds pretty funny. Yeah. We had Anthony, Catania, and Pineapple Pete versus The Butcher and The Blade. Butcher and Blade win four minutes with the uh, full death. We have Zach Clayton versus QT Marshall. And QT wins, of course, four minutes, 28 seconds with the QT cutter or the, what did, what did, uh, something, Allie gave it some weird name last week on Dark, something, the something Apple. I have, I don't remember. Okay, it doesn't matter. We had Sonny Kiss versus Christopher Daniels. That's right. A roster member versus another roster member on an episode of Dark. Unbelievable. Impossible. Yeah, Daniels hits Angel's Wings in 8 minutes, 27 seconds wins. When was the last time that happened? Uh, Last week. Who was on? What was last? Oh, that's right, the tag match. Speaking of, Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler are given yet another chance, taking on the Jurassic Express of Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. And Jurassic Express win in 10 minutes and 28 seconds. That's a long time to put away the librarian and the dungeon master. That is. Yeah. And in the main event, Robert Anthony versus John Moxley. Mox gets the win with a Texas Cloverleaf submission hold in 13 minutes and 11 seconds. Another long one. Another long one. These guys have a lot of indie history. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, that was dark. That was AEW dark. Get it together, Tony Khan. Why can't it just be like an hour or less, please? I do not know, Megan. But speaking of things that are not an hour or less, let's talk about Dynamite. It's actually probably the same length as Dark if you take out the commercials. Yeah, pretty much exactly. Yikes. Luckily, more stuff happens on it. And, you know, more roster matches occur. Yes. Higher caliber. I was surprised that they did not revisit Black Lives Matter. I was too. Yeah, because last week we talked about how, you know, the show had been pre-taped in the week prior. Mm. And so they just put up the, you know, the five second um, screen before the show started. And we were hoping that they would do more this week. When they actually were live. So the only thing they did do was Mark Quinn was wearing a Black Lives Matter armband. And Excalibur briefly spoke about it. Yeah. But I thought that it should have had a prominent place. Yeah. I mean, everyone's vocal on social media about support of it. So I'm just curious why support wasn't really shown on the TV show. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, when I get a freaking like Black Lives Matter email from my bank, <laughs> I feel like there should be one from a company that actually genuinely believes that. Right. Well, that, that's what I was trying to say. Like, 
I, you know, I know that AEW truly does believe in it. I just was surprised not to see it being featured, it featured on the show. I genuinely expected Brandy to say something, both as chief brand officer and again as a woman of color. And I know Tony Khan is also a man of color, but he doesn't like to be on camera. So I don't necessarily expect him to just show up. But even if he did, it was the chief brand officer and the owner of the company. I would just expect a short clip of them saying something. I, I mean, agree. Cody had like a like a very brief COVID-19 speech that one episode where there wasn't a crowd. Right. It's just surprising. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was no like talk about it on any of the podcasts. No, not that I heard. No, I haven't listened to the Chris Statlander unrestricted yet, but I assume it probably wouldn't there's be. Nothing, there's nothing on there now. Okay. Yeah, and Jericho's podcast this week was all inner circle related, and it was very upbeat mm-hmm. and happy mm-hmm. about how great the stadium stampede was, which it was, but. You know, it's kind of a weird tone for what's going on. Mm-hmm. But that being said, <laughs> we get into what is a typical AEW Dynamite show. Um, early on, Jericho joins the broadcast team for presumably the whole time, but we'll get there. And he has his bat with him. And that briefly gets mentioned, but it'll come up, come up again later. JR made a naming joke that I didn't get, but I feel like it's probably because it's old-time wrestling. A naming joke. Did he call someone Richard again? No, I think Jericho's bat's name is Floyd, and uh, JR said Floyd Lawson because it needs a last name. And then they laughed and said, oh, it's old TNT days. And I didn't know what that meant. Uh, He's a fictional character from the Andy Griffith show which uh, famously aired in reruns on TBS for uh, a very long time. Okay, bunch of old guys. TBS, the cable station that was built on Andy Griffith reruns, professional wrestling, and Atlanta Braves baseball. All right. (laughs) He and Tony chuckled about it. I had no idea. So, yeah, that was a fun in joke for anyone who I guess is over 70. I did not watch Andy Griffith enough to get this joke, but I've certainly seen my share of Andy Griffith over the years. Yeah, to be fair, I've seen reruns too, but had no idea this name they dropped, so. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I noticed was Justin Roberts appears to be back, and I don't know if maybe I missed him last week, but I think this is his first return. It is. It is. That was uh, that was it was very exciting when I saw that on the socials that he was going to be back, and I wonder, like, what kept him away. Me too. I was worried he he was like susceptible in some way, which I'm glad if he was being safe because he needed to, that he could do that. But I did miss his, you know, his input. So uh, I just clarified something for myself. So. I was familiar with Floyd Lawson, but not by that name. I am just familiar with him as Floyd the Barber. 
because he was the barber in the show in the town. Uh, okay. And in 30 Rock, Jason Sudeikis' character named Floyd DeBarber is, in fact, a direct reference to the character Floyd the Barber from The Andy Griffith Show. Never would have gotten that. Yeah. Do you remember Floyd DeBarber from 30 Rock, though? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a show I watched when it was running. Right. Unlike Andy Griffith. Exactly. Okay. Well, Floyd DeBarber. Good, solid reference. Let's go from a barber to a butcher and a blade. Whoa. Whoa, bam. That was a good transition, Megan. Thank yeah. you. Although I think a blade is a barber. Dang. Okay. But this, <laughs> this is a scarier one, I guess. He's not that scary. Um, I thought the blade was an assassin. He's got but, the weird mask. That's yeah. why I thought he was an assassin. I thought it just was. I thought the butcher and the blade were just both referring to like old timey gangs of New York style professions, which I thought was like a mob assassin. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that would be cool. In these current days, he's just a guy with a blade on his trunks. It's a switchblade, so that's pretty, you know, threatening, but. I think the butcher's scarier if I had to pick one. I mean, he's definitely like, he looks more like a movie monster who could like really fuck you up. He does. He does. Well, these two scary, scary men are having their match against FTR. Remember how they had uh, some arguments going on last week? And FTR backed up what they said and they beat these men. Uh, specifically, Cash Wheeler got to pin the blade after he and Dax did the Mindbreaker, which is apparently their finisher, and it's an assisted spiked pile driver. Yeah, it looks cool. It does. More pile drivers. Uh, I worry. It's a safe move if you know how to take it. It appeared the blade did. It. If you know how to give it, sorry, yes. Okay. Unlike Pentagon. Yeah. Now... <laughs> I'm interested, Megan. What did you think of this this match as far as the quality of it? I thought it the quality was good. I did spend a lot of it very nitpickily looking at times when FTR left the ground and thinking, <laughs> well, you don't do flips, huh? I mean, they weren't flips technically, but they were high spots. So. Yeah, one of them, the the, the hair one, uh, did a drop kick. Yeah, which the drop kick, you know what? That's fine. That's you're going off the ground. But they did a move where um, one of them, actually, I think both of them, got onto the top turnbuckles on mm-hmm. opposite sides and. Oh, I wrote it. Okay. Superplex into a flying elbow drop. And then I put in parentheses, seems flippy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did that spot in, uh, in NXT. Which is totally fine. I guess I was just wondering where the line is drawn of no flips, just kicks or whatever. I think, I think the line is drawn at a full rotation of the body. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm just saying they got up on the ropes and they did some jumps. That wasn't the only time. (laughs) I was being really nitpicky about that, and that's on me. I also noticed that they made a big show of always very visibly holding up the tag rope when they tagged each other in and out because, you know, they talk a big game about that. So I felt like they were really rubbing it in your face. Yeah, JR acted like he was Jake Roberts watching Lance Archer there. <laughs> he loves Jericho, it. Jericho was very happy to point out uh, the, the the real tags to uh, Jim Ross. Because mm-hmm. that's his thing, right? Yeah, he's got a boner for good, solid tag work. Okay, so I I watched this match, and all I could think the whole time I was watching is, is like, this is so not Jenny and Megan's style of match, but I loved it, and I'm glad <laughs> to hear that you liked it too, Megan, because I thought I thought it was so I just thought it was so solid, and and it so they don't do like flashy stuff in the way that the Young Bucks do, but they were kind of like they were doing the stuff they do at the same pace that the Young Bucks do their stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I did like it is because it wasn't it didn't feel slow in the way that some of these these types of matches do yeah and that's generally why i check out of them is because not much is happening and i get bored no it moved yeah Yeah. now here's my question do you think actually there's no outcome i expect what do you think about the fact that these no flips just kicks guys for their first match got put against other guys who are basically no flips, just kicks too. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe just stylistically, they thought that would make for a good matchup. Like, and you know, the butcher and the blade are certainly a tag team that you can sacrifice for the, the greater good of getting FDR over. Yeah. I just thought they talked so much shit about the high flyers and how they don't follow the rules and stuff. Well, that, they can't. Pentagon can't get in the country right now, so they can't. They can't. They can't go after the Lucha Brothers. No, that's fair, and I wouldn't want them to like come out and necessarily just wipe them out because you have to have them win their first match. I just thought they could have found some flippy boys to maybe beat up because they that was their whole message. I thought it was surprising that they went this direction, even though it turned out really well. You could see them maybe like beating on a private party, for instance, or something like that. Well, they've never, I mean, they've not brought that narrative into Dynamite yet. Um, so you guys know that background? I don't. I, Megan, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they kind of talk about that in their interview with Tony Schiavone last week? Yeah, I mean, you and I, I think, have definitely been more they exposed did. to it, but they did bring up how they're here to teach these tag teams to follow the rules and you know, they don't need to flip to do it and all that stuff. Okay, I must have just missed that. Mm-hmm. Now, now, that's a perfect segue, though, because, Andy, you had some thoughts. You texted me earlier in the week about um, FTR and how they're presenting themselves on Twitter as they come into this company full of flippy boys. Did you want to talk about those? Yes, but I will need to find them first. I'll need to find the... Okay. I made a note to myself to remind you because you texted, don't let me forget. We need to talk about this. Yeah, so a couple of things that they did on social media on Tuesday. uh, Dax posted on Twitter, things you probably won't see in our debut match with at AE Wrestling. Jumping knee strike. 
Wait, they did that. Did they? I mean, they they jumped off of the top ropes and used their knee. <laughs> I think they're uh, kind of like referring specifically to a V trigger. They're going to make fun of your boys, Jenny. Jumping knee strike. Handprints on our thighs. Wait, what's that? Thigh slapping sounds for super kicks and and V triggers and such. Um. Jump off the top. Miss, land on my feet, and do a roll. Super kick. Bicycle kick. Diamond cutter variation, but call it, insert fancy name, cutter. Canadian destroyer. Dive. And uh, Cash responded to this by saying, We've been working on a cutting-edge move where the illegal partner holds the tag rope with both feet on the apron. They're sassy. (laughs) (laughs) And Kenny Omega responded, just when I thought half my moveset was in peril. I think I might like these guys already. So he's playing along. Yeah, I mean, obviously he knows their game. He He's a EVP. He was probably one of the people that arranged for them to come here. I just think it's, it's funny how targeted <laughs> their Twitter posts are. Now, the other thing I was thinking about is that the way they're playing this with like going on social media and criticizing the other teams in AEW and saying they don't know how to wrestle and the way they wrestle is the right kind of wrestling. I really enjoy it. I really like it. And nobody is ever going to be able to convince you that wrestling is real or that the results aren't predetermined. But I think what they're doing might create doubt about how they feel about their colleagues in AEW. So as a viewer, you might get a feeling like, oh, these guys really don't like each other. Hmm. You know? Uh, Well, but if that's what they're going for, that they don't, they dislike the people, Mm -hmm. then why do they protect the Bucks? Well, I mean, that's, that's part of like, I think that's part of like the larger. But they don't respect, they're coming, they're showing that they don't respect the wrestling that these tag team partners are doing in AEW mm-hmm. and they dislike them. Yeah. It, it was kind of like though, when Moxley was feuding with Kenny and people kept interrupting them when they were trying to have their big face offs before their match. And they would both stop what they were doing at each other to, to protect each other essentially, because that's the honorable way to have a fight. Right. But that wasn't about, that wasn't them not respecting each other or not disliking each other or, or disliking each other. I think that FTR probably doesn't want any excuse from the Young Bucks as far as if they're going to have a match. They want them 100%, no excuses for if they lose, that sort of thing. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean respect. I guess that was the wrong word, but they have a, they love the rules. Follow the rules. So <laughs> if nothing else... They want this to be a clean fight. Yeah, I think it's added a really interesting dimension to the to an already really good tag team division. Hmm. Jenny, what did you think of the match? Your Could first your first hotter. FTR match. Could be hotter? <laughs> Could be hotter. Okay. The whole ring. Yep. <laughs> but specifically FTR. Wow, all right. Already felt that about the, the other side of the ring. Yeah, sure. That that's my official No no thoughts on the match quality or anything though? I mean, it was it was fine. Like the the pacing was good, um, so I appreciated that. Yeah. Like, I I like more 
fun moves than they were giving, but at least it wasn't slow. Yeah. Okay. And I, I do like that, uh, was it Jericho who said that FTR stands for follow the rules? I do like that. Mm-hmm. I'm a rule follower as well. Yeah. And FTR said that themselves to Tony Schiavone last week. Huh. Yeah. And Jericho yelled at Tony for saying the F word on television last week. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Which is hilarious considering Jericho's potty mouth. Mm-hmm. Jericho was a real treat on commentary, but I, I'm, you know, you'll get to it, but I'm glad that he was only there for half the show because it was a lot. He was <laughs> dialed up yeah. in he, a way. He, he was, he was going at such a volume that I knew immediately that he wasn't, that he wasn't going to be there the entire night. <laughs> he had to make himself known. Also, Chris Stop trying to make Flim Flam happen. Right? I thought the same thing, Megan. <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. God, it's just like fetch. Yep. And he talks about it on his podcast, which is why I think he should just let it go, because it seemed like he acknowledged it's not going to happen. Yeah, they didn't even bring out a shirt. Like, no, they didn't. What are, what are you trying to do here? You're not even selling a shirt. It's a gimmick. You never know. Got to keep mentioning it, apparently, but just stop it. Just let it go. Well, if uh, if that's all we got as far as the content of the match goes, we'll move to afterwards. And Jenny, you already kind of alluded that, to this with your comments, but after Tony goes into the ring to interview FTR, the winners and the new guys here, and the Young Bucks come out. And they say, we're here to congratulate you. You know, no no beef. Like, we want to thank you for helping us out a couple weeks ago. That was really cool. And then Matt's like, but also you failed to introduce yourselves to us. So let me introduce us to you. And then he, very passive aggressively, and I loved it so much, introduced he and his brother as basically shouldering the tag team division and tag team wrestling in general for the last many years decade and, he, and a half Ooh, yeah that's a long time yeah i would hear that wait i question decade I'd, and a half i'd say decade i wouldn't i wouldn't have like that wouldn't have like made me raise my eyebrows at all mm-hmm. yeah, but the extra half, half yeah. was like mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well in wrestling you always have to add that little extra yeah you can never just be truthful and honest in wrestling apparently no, you got to take the truth and you got to turn it up a little bit. So, right. they do this intro and... Did they, did they come off a little bit heelish to you? Yes, they're turning heels because of Matt's weird energy. I've been telling you this for months and it's going to happen because they <laughs> want FTR to be faces, but they would need to feud with the Bucks. So, FTR is coming off just slightly heelish, but the Young Bucks are coming off more heelish so that they can make the fight work. Okay. I'd be willing to agree. I mean, at the same time, I don't know their reaction to me. Maybe I'm heelish. It just seems natural, though, because these guys rolled in and started shit-talking the tag team wrestling at this company where tag team wrestling is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. Being a little miffed about that seems like a natural reaction. Well, it's like any new employee coming in and being like, well, you're just fucking everything up. Why would you be doing all of this and trying to make all these changes? And it's like, well, we've been, it's been going okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I understand the reaction. I 
could see it being heelish, but I could also see it being the normal reaction, an understandable reaction. It doesn't super matter because they did this, but then, but then, like, shortly into this, before FDR has any time to respond, the Butcher and the Blade get back up and start attacking them. And FDR actually turns around and comes to their rescue. So, positioning-wise, that's where we're at. Um, and then, out of nowhere, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian decide they need to get into this fight. And they come and start attacking FDR, who are attacking the Butcher and the Blade. And the Bucks then turn around and save FTR. So we've got a lot of back and forth here. And by the time all this is happening, Kenny has a time to run out. And Adam has time to saunter out in his jeans and button-down shirt with his whiskey in his hand. Um, So they're there to help their friends. But by the time they actually make it out, the fighting has pretty much been broken up. And there's a lot of tag teams in the ring. Just saying. Adam's... Adam's shirt was awesome. Perfect. Very cowboy. Did you expect that... I don't know, Like maybe this is my WWE brain going, but before Hangman and, uh, and Kenny came out, I kind of just expected them to do a reset and restart the whole thing as an eight-man tag team match with the Bucks and FTR on one side against the uh, Butcher and the Blade and the Super Bad Suicide Squad. Yeah. I mean, that would have made sense. And that it totally was the WWE formula, which, like, my brain went to the same place of we've got good guys and bad guys out here, so let's make a big old giant match. Yeah. But it was not to be. So I wonder if we'll get any kind of, like... Well, I guess we know. Next week, we're getting the Young Bucks versus uh, Sabian and Havoc. So, yeah, out of all the teams that were yeah. out there, that's a weird. Well, it's it's a first time match, so I think that's probably why they're doing it. Yeah, I guess Sabian and Havoc. It was like, OK, but why are you in this fight? You know, like, yeah, they're a lower caliber. Yeah, it was. Well, I, I just actually, you know what? Never mind. Now I was going to say. Because they were wrestling Hangman and Omega last week, but Hangman and Omega hadn't come out yet, so, yeah. Yeah, it just seemed like they were there to make trouble, but there wasn't any real background of that, other than Butcher and the Blade are heels, so I guess you have to have your heel teams come out to be on their side. It would just seem random, and now they're they're the ones that got put into a tag team match, so. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset, I think it'll be a good match. It's just oh yeah, not the outcome I expected. I think I think Sabian especially will work pretty well with the Bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, very flippy. Mm-hmm. All flips, no kicks. Turn around. Did you notice that on their like their new music they uh, they still have like an approximation of say yeah at the very beginning? Yes. <laughs> I mean I was, that made me happy. Yeah, I was listening to it. I'm like okay. Okay. I hope they don't get sued over that. (laughs) I assume it's different enough. I mean, WWE spent years doing, like, sound-alikes for Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all kinds of stuff like that, No, that was WCW. Oh. 
We're going to get a close-up of the FTR boys singing. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) (laughs) It's different. I don't know if they got sued, but I remember remember Dave Grohl was unhappy about uh, the... DDP having basically having smells like teen spirit. I can see his case, but it was different enough apparently that legally. I, yeah, yeah, you should listen to it sometime and see how see how different it is. <laughs> hey, I just remembered watching when Sandman came out full on to Metallica's Enter Sandman, and we were at a time when it just didn't matter. Oh hell yeah! So. It was fantastic. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, and FTR—they get—they have a star entrance with their uh, pickup truck. I like that a lot. Do you think they're gonna keep doing that? I hope so, because it's like it's very chaotic. It's like we don't know where the hell these guys are coming from, but now they're here and they're gonna fight. They're wait, coming they... from North Carolina. That's what they said. Yeah. So wait, they come in on the truck? Yeah, they like drive. They drove the at the beginning before their match started. They drove their truck up to that little oh. know, where it V's, you know, and you can't. Do you think they'll continue that even after they're out of Daly's place? Maybe you could do that. It would require a little bit more coordination, but maybe. Yeah, I like that entrance though. Yeah, I'm just glad they don't run into the barrier. Yeah. Yeah, that looks so dumb, Cody. <laughs> All right, if you two are ready, we'll go backstage. Or Dasha speaking to the Natural Nightmares, and this includes QT's new girlfriend, Allie. <laughs> QT and Dustin have a match against Kenny and Adam next week, and it's for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And as they're standing here talking about it, Allie is wearing her Natural Nightmares jacket that QT gifted her, and Brandy notices this. And gets really mad. Says, like, what is she doing wearing my family's logo? And Cutie's like, well, she's my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so she's part of the family. Um, and Dustin, he's like, look, Cutie, you need to focus. This match coming up is for the titles. I need you to be with me. I need you to focus on getting this done. And to do that, you need to forget about her for now. He points to Allie and... He says that she won't be ringside during their match next week because she's a distraction, which I don't really know if he can enforce that. She looked like she didn't really think that was going to be the case. No, she didn't care. No. Um, and QT is such a pushover. <laughs> but, and so as we'll long see. as you don't literally try to hurricane around someone in front of the referee, you won't get kicked out anyway. So That's true. If she does try to hurricane Rana, like Adam, he'll just stop and say, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just recreate that spot for all of his matches going <laughs> forward. Great. What a great <laughs> spot. So good. Um, but yeah, we have that match coming up next week for the titles. This segment is followed by a match with Penelope Ford and Nyla Rose against Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. And Penelope and Nyla get the win when Penelope pins Sheeta with the fisherman suplex. But it's after she has also hit her in the head with the women's world championship belt while the ref was distracted. So 
bit of an asterisk by that win. I would say so. Dan Chris uh, Kip Sabian grabbed on Sheeta's leg too, and to distract her. And then, like you said, the ref, and then and the belt shot. It was it was really unfair. Yeah. Well, they're heels. They don't play fairly. And if Kip's around, you know some shenanigans are going to happen. Yeah. I thought the match was uh, very good, though. I like the, I, you know, I thought the tag match was great. Nyla did it awesome. He cheated her uh, draping, like, knee drop from the top rope over the end, uh, but she had both um, Sheeta and Statlander draped over the top rope mm. next to each other. I thought it looked really cool. I think the outcome of that move looks really cool. I think the setup looks incredibly unbelievable, especially when you do two people. It does. There is the issue where it just, like, why would they just keep laying there for that long? <laughs> yeah. And also Statlander, she had to adjust herself because Nyla didn't quite get her at the, like, waist so that she was, like, over the rope. And then she grabbed Sheeta so that they were together, which it makes sense to do this move safely. But it's a lot of setup that is unbelievable for what looks very cool um, if you can get there. Yeah. I would think that this would set up Penelope as the number one contender for fire uh, for Fighter Fest. Yeah, I mean, where I forget where she's at in the ranks. She was five, and Nyla was one. I guess she wouldn't have to like get all the way to number one to get a title shot. I mean, the Natural Nightmares are getting a tag team title shot next week, and they are not the number one contenders. So. <laughs> they certainly are not. Yeah, but it seemed to me like you don't do this. You don't pin the champion unless you're. Unless you're setting up a, you know, a title shot. Yeah, I, I think you just don't pin the champion. No, you you think just you don't like you don't like that way of booking title matches. I mean, I'm fine with that way of booking title matches. I don't like the way that they've showcased Sheeta since she's gotten her title. She had a really long match with a totally unknown person, where that person got like a near fall on her. And I thought that was the, like the Wednesday after the Saturday night that she won the title. Mm -hmm. And now in, did she have a match last week? I don't don't think so. So So this is the second match she's had since her title. And now she's getting pinned by Penelope Ford. Yeah. I don't like how they're treating Sheeta. Hmm. Will you feel better if Sheeta wins the match at Fighter Fest? Well, she is going to win the match at, at Fighter Fest. Okay, so no. <laughs> I can still be upset with the way that they've treated her. Yeah, you can. Yeah, Megan, what do you think? At least this was a tag team match. Because I thought she and Chris both looked good. And also Penelope and Nyla both looked good. So I didn't think anybody was really hurt in this one. But why did Sheeta have to take the pin then? To justify Penelope getting a title shot. Why does Penelope need a title shot? I don't know. That's just what they decided to do for Fighter Fest. I mean, I assume we don't we don't really know, but that's what I would. When I saw this, that's what I thought. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, and I assume because we've already seen Nyla and Cheetah have a couple. And they want to build the Chris Statlander for the next pay per view, not. Or or they just want to. Maybe maybe you're not. Maybe you're waiting for the Sheeta Nyla rematch for All Out or something. Mm. Um, and plus, and you know, also, it didn't bother me that much because Penelope cheated like crazy too. 
But she's still got the win, and the wins matter in AEW. That's true. And it doesn't have an asterisk next to the win. They should. Their win should be taken away if they cheat, or there should be an asterisk of cheated for this number. I can't argue with you there. There's no instant replay. This isn't a stadium stampede. (laughs) Good match, though. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, there, I that, the women's division's coming along. It's getting better. Yeah. Mostly because of Sheeta. Yeah, Nyla's a lot better than she was last year. Oh yeah, because after her yeah. tour in Japan, she got so much better. Yeah. She, it was rough when she started. The very beginning. Yes, Remember yeah. when she almost dropped and killed Michael Nakazawa? I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was very scary. Megan, um, are you going to tell us about the greatest celebrity crossover in the history of all elite wrestling? I am. But before I do that, I did want to give JR credit. Okay. Because I don't want to be accused of being, you know, biased. He did make a comment this time during this match, and he said, Penelope's very attractive. And the problem with that is that sometimes. If that's all you see, you might fail to recognize her talent as a wrestler. And I thought, wow, JR, that is not what I would have expected you to say, but good for you. Jenny noticed that comment, too, and I think she took it a different way. Uh-oh. Well, because then I don't remember who said it. It was like, like Brad Pitt and how Brad Pitt was treated unfairly. And I was just like, Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt was never overlooked for his looks, but Andy told me that apparently he was at the beginning of his career. I feel like he also wasn't as good of an actor at the beginning of his career. (laughs) He's still hot, but I think he's come a long way. I just didn't think it was a fair comparison to compare to, like, a pretty man versus, like, what women have had to deal with for centuries. I think it was just an offhanded comment by Jericho or whoever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was fine with... I, I liked JR's comment, but the, I think it was Jericho who then, like, compared it to Brad Pitt. That I was like, ah. Right. Look, he's yeah. got to get a lot of stuff in before he's taken out of this <laughs> position. Okay? That's right. Oh, yeah. um... Uh, and Chris Jericho, the rock star who doesn't know the difference between a bass and a guitar... He's a J- lead singer, Jenny. He doesn't need to. JR had to correct him on that. I think that was for the butcher. Yeah. Andy Williams, bass player for Every Time I Die. Wow, he should have gotten that. Okay, but let's just, you know, JR, you're coming along. I think between this and your Twitter interaction with Sunny Kiss, uh, I'm, I feel like you've, you're growing. So yeah. I like that. You too. Now, as Andy mentioned, the greatest celebrity crossover. Darby has made a video. Because, of course, he has. And this is a black and white video of him attempting to skateboard. Of course it is. It has to be black and white, otherwise it's not dramatic. We see him in the camera frame, and he says, you know, I'm still not medically cleared to wrestle, but I don't give a fuck. And so he turns... As if he's, like, going to go do something. And then the camera shoots over to his pal Tony Hawk just standing there. And Tony Hawk grins and goes, you don't have to be medically cleared to skate. Go ahead and have fun. And then 
Goddamn. Goddamn. <laughs> this to me, this is the biggest star who's ever been on a- AEW. I mean, technically, yeah. Well, where do you put him up against Tyson, though? Oh, uh, he's, a, he's a bigger star to me than Tyson is. Yeah. Though I, mean, I will say, both he and Mike Tyson, the most joy they've ever brought me is through video games. So, um, What was Mike Tyson's video game? Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Oh, okay. It had his name in it, just like Tony Hawk's skateboarding. Yeah. Darby has to be in the new Tony Hawk game. Is he good enough to be in the new Tony Hawk game? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Bam Margera was in some of the Tony Hawk skate games. This is true. <laughs> the jackass boys made it. Yeah. Yikes. Um, and while Bam Margera, I think, was a fine skater in his day, he was not like a you know a world class skater, uh, the likes of Steve Caballero or Kareem Caldwell. But uh, I I was so excited to see Tony Hawk. I love Tony Hawk. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. Uh, he's great. He was just on the Joe Rogan podcast a few weeks ago. I was it was it was delightful. I'm just beaming right now talking about how much I love Tony Hawk. Can't wait to play the new game. Someone has a little bit of a man crush. Oh, yeah. Believe you me, well, yes. Tony, Tony Hawk's the Hawk, best. He seems like a genuinely nice person, like a very non-problematic celeb star, you know? I, like, I can confirm from his from his Joe Rogan appearance. He was, he was, and he's very, he's very COVID-conscious, too. Yeah, he just seems like a positive skater dude and always has been, and I mm-hmm. I kind of love him, too. Yeah. So, But Darby for uh, Tony Hawk Remaster, please. Well, Darby's going to have to shape up because uh, Tony Hawk's here watching him, and he sets up this ladder. Can you to... imagine the pressure? No. Like trying, then... to do, trying to land a trick in front of Tony Hawk, like, especially one practice... with like, a really, really high degree of difficulty. He should practice before he gets there. I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, he wiped out uh... so many times. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> that we saw. So he sets up this ladder... I guess it's probably like an eight footer. It was like taller than the guy holding it. It's tall enough. <laughs> yeah. And he gets on top of it and he's trying to basically do a drop from the top of the ladder on a skateboard onto like a ramp. Yeah. And he falls many times. And then when he finally gets it, he c- curves back around and Tony Hawk is there to give him a high five and cheer him on. So it was very cute and encouraging. I don't know what the point of it was, except Tony Hawk's there and it was fun. Why do we fall, Master Bruce? <laughs> I don't know Tony Hawk, why? To get back up. Oh, so great. So, I'm surprised that he's allowed to do the skateboarding. Because that looks like it's very prone to injury. Especially the, the stunt he was pulling. And I remember on an episode of Total Divas where Paige wanted to drive a motorcycle. She got yelled at by the creepy man who always used to touch the women. Mercurano. Yeah. He also yelled at Eva Marie for changing her hair color. So I feel like there's a little more rule-based stuff in WWE. But I always thought that actually that rule made sense. Because if you are an athlete for a company and there are there's a high risk of injury for you doing your current sport, but then you do this side entertainment thing Mm -hmm. that's totally unrelated. I get this was related because they were filming it for the show, but you know, he's doing stuff like this all the time just at his house. Yeah. Like he's going to get hurt. Yeah. And he's going to be out of TV 
Like I just I just don't understand why he's allowed to to do it. Like I would think Mega would be upset about this. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that there's probably just things in in uh, AEW contracts that are different from WWE contracts. Like the same way, you know, Jungle But I think Boys... this is smart. Like, I think this part of the WWE contract is smart to be like, if any, I think this is probably in any other professional athlete contract of like, hey, you're not allowed to do like extreme sporting activities outside you, of you this. You know what, though? Uh, professional athletes are employees of the team. They're not independent contractors. Oh, fuck, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. It makes more sense when it's uh yeah, yeah. I'm glad it was allowed so that Tony Hawk could show up. Me too. No, and I, I thought this was really I was just I thought it was I have thought that a lot because he does post a lot of like skating on his Instagram and stuff. And I just think like, dude, you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna be out of TV and everyone's gonna be pissed. I I think though, yeah. like to equate this back to F1, which we always do apropos of nothing, and I'm sure lots of people don't care and don't know what we're talking about. But I think F1 Daniel, season starting next month. Hell yeah. But I think Daniel Ricardo does a lot of like he does. Cra- crazy stunts, and he's a very highly paid person who's supposed to be in a race car. Yeah, but Megan, like I've I've thought the same thing watching Drive to Succeed. Drive to Survive? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Both are true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying this wouldn't be the first person in sport who is also kind of an adrenaline junkie. I'm assuming that if they do it, it's because they're contractually not obligated not to, you know? Otherwise, he wouldn't be taping it and putting it on his employer's television show. I thought it was cool as hell. And it made me think that Darby was friends with Tony Hawk, which makes Darby way cooler in my book. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he talked about doing a Tony Hawk, like uh, like Tony Hawk saw one of his videos and reached out to him back in the day. And he did something for one of his shows or like some sort yeah. of segment. He used, he, he, he like bought some footage from Darby. Yeah, so... Yeah, or license some footage. So they are familiar with each other. Yeah, yeah. I just, I like that, I don't know. It Like, Darby seems pretty psyched about the fact that, like, him getting a higher profile as a wrestler is making all this skate stuff, like, <laughs> like happen for him. <laughs> Aw, see, that's good. You've got to have more than one iron in the fire, I guess, in case anything happens. So good for him. Yeah. Now, we follow this video segment with another video segment that, while it does not contain Tony Hawk, I thought was still very entertaining. Even with the racial undertones? Um, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just talk about what happened. I feel like it's going to be lighter than you just implied, but we'll see. Um, so Britt Baker is here again. She's a role model still. Uh, and she is not here for Big Swole's bad attitude. If you remember, Britt 
had to run in her Rolls Royce, which is a golf cart, away from Big Swole last week because she threatened her with a chair. So that's her bad attitude, I guess. And she does say that Big Swole keeps talking about her struggles, but let me point out, you know, my struggles. Me, Brit, uh, white lady. Yep, there are racial undertones. It's it's fine. Um, <laughs> she says she's facing her own struggles. And the examples that she provides are that one time there was a biology test she forgot to study for. And don't worry, she aced it. But still. And while she's explaining this, there's also footage of her in her wheelchair. And this is um, recycled from last week's video where she was doing the training montage where she's in her wheelchair yeah she's in her wheelchair and she's trying to roll forward while she's got a weight attached to it so she's dragging it but the weight is also like maybe three pounds tops and she's having a real tough time and then rebel unbeknownst to her sort of like gives a shh motion to the camera and then picks the weight up and brit starts succeeding so these are her struggles oh it's uh yeah crohn's disease is nothing compared to that (laughs) Oh, man. Ugh. Well, the fans... These, these continue to be great. Yeah, and, and Britt's message here is the fans and roster, they need a role model. She's here to do it, but in exchange, she needs respect. So, yeah. Yeah. Britt's funny. She's, She's very great. funny. She is very funny. And I guess when she's able to fight again... She will be fighting Big Swole. Do we have uh, any update yeah. on her actual real life injury? No, I mean, I think I think when she said that she's aiming for all out, that's probably real. Which would be the first weekend of uh, September. Okay. I hope she's able to come back in, in a healthy manner so that mm-hmm. she's not straining herself. Yeah. All right, back to the action. Next up, we have Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager in a trios match against the best friends and also Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy wins this match for the best friends. He pins Ortiz by doing a... I wrote down roll-up, but it was more intricate where he, like, got his arm and his legs... Or no, his, his Ortiz's arms between his arms and... His legs. I'm not describing this very well. It looked like a crucifix a little bit. It was a crucifix. That's what okay. they call it. It was a crucifix roll up. Okay. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. There was some stuff that happened after the match, but I wanted to check and see if anybody had comments on the in-ring action before we got to that. I thought this was um, one of the better uses of Orange in a match context so far. Especially his interactions with Jake Hager. Uh, they did the slow motion kicks where he, you know, he like ducked out of the way of all the bad stuff. He did his double hurricane Rana, which I, th- I still think is every time I see it, I think that's a, such a cool move um, to Ortiz and Santana. And he like, he hit Hager with a suicide dive. He was, he was really, really moving fast. Um, I don't know what the ceiling for orange Cassidy in this role is, but I think it's a lot higher than I would have at the beginning of this promotion. Well, I think, look back to the pack match. Yeah. And he's capable of, of doing it. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but eventually, Jake Hager does cut him off, and uh, and they do some pretty good stuff. I like Chuck and Trent were like pretty much non-entities in this match, <laughs> to be quite honest. But uh, uh, it was it was really the the Chuck uh, the uh, the Orange Cassidy show. How do you think that they feel about that? That they were the established tag team, and like Orange Cassidy is really just kind of the third wheel. Mm-hmm. But he's way more popular than either of them, or combined them. I mean, they're they're also getting they're they're kind of getting to go along in the wake of Orange Cassidy, so I'm sure they're they're fine with it. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts. I mean, Chuck clearly has some thoughts about his dog being cuter than himself, so I thought he would probably have some thoughts about <laughs> his third tag team mate being more successful and popular than himself. Yeah. He also has about thoughts his... about his dog's penis being unacceptably small. Oh. <laughs> I was going to ask Jenny if she worries about Chuck's self-esteem, but I bet not anymore. <laughs> He's just so mean to his dog. I wonder why she sleeps with my friends. <laughs> yes. Oh, speaking of licensed music being used by wrestlers. Yeah. Um, no, I thought I really enjoyed the match. I like... Uh, Jericho is obviously really good on commentary, typing up his boys and everything, and and uh, very unhappy about the continued existence of Orange Cassidy. Yeah, he just cannot um, deal with that, which I think you covered all the high points of the match as far as the Orange Cassidy and Hager stuff, which was the focus. Poor Trent spent a lot of time getting beat up, and I think Chuck existed on the outside for most of the time. So, it's after the match that things happen. Orange gets his pin, and then Jericho jumps up from the announce table and races out to help his boys. He's got the bat, and all of the people in the match and Jericho immediately turn on the best friends and Orange. Jericho starts pulling bags of blood oranges out from under the ring, which is wild to me. They were prepared, I guess, oh, for yeah. something he, like this he, to happen. He, he knew. He knew. He, he saw the match lineup for tonight. So, yeah. So he has these individual bags and of oranges, and he's pouring them into this larger, what looks like a mesh laundry bag, so that a lot of them are collected. They claim it's about twenty pounds of oranges, and he takes this bag and he uses it on Orange, who also incidentally has gotten split open and is bleeding uh and they say it's because jericho hit him with a bat earlier he hit he hit all of the members of the best friends with his bat but orange is the only one who comes away bleeding and so jericho cut himself uh they claim it's coming out of his ear i don't know i didn't look it was gross um but jericho hits a bloodied orange with his 20 pound bag of blood oranges to drive this message home and once he's done hitting him, he dumps the bag onto him. And the oranges go everywhere. And then all the members of the inner circle grab them. Jericho takes a big bite out of an orange as if it's an apple, like through the skin, and then spits it all out, which was all very fun to see close up. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, the rest of the inner circle are just squeezing these oranges so that the juice goes on to Orange Cassidy, which I thought was excessive because, my God. That acidic juice going into an open wound oh. it sucks. 
in real life, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it was a lot. I actually kind of thought this went on longer than I needed it to. Um, I was okay with the, with the length of the beatdown, but I want to say about the blood. I assumed that the blood was real because if you're gonna do a blade spot in that segment, you do it after the oranges, not after the the bat, because the orange, like the the big shot, like getting hit with the oranges is like the big climactic shot of that, uh, that angle. Hmm. So you think Jericho really did maybe accidentally hit him a little too hard with the bat? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. Oh, he wasn't being careful. Well, you know, accidents happen. Like Syrah and Shiraz, blood oranges are really car-car oranges. What oranges? Car-car. C-A-R-A. Car-car? Okay. Cool. Thank you. They're also delicious. Why is that in your head? I just know what that type of orange is called. Okay. Because I've tried to do mimosas with that type of orange. Oh, it didn't work out as well, did it? It didn't. No. Yeah. Listeners, not as good of an orange juice. I remember that. The blood orange mimosa was not as, Mm -mm. was not a winner. But blood orange IPA, very good. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I think for sure now, Jericho versus Orange at Fighter Fest. Okay. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, Jericho has taken a very strong stance against Orange. Like, he really annoys him for some reason, even though Orange doesn't really do anything. He walked, he walked in front of that. I would argue that's not doing anything. <laughs> he could have walked behind the camera. I guess he could have. I don't think he even noticed he was on camera. That's how little he's paying attention. He was just looking at that TV. Yeah, he was WWE, look at that TV. Oh, yeah. He like got distracted by a shiny thing and now he's getting punished for it. I don't know if I said this last week, but don't watch um, the Orange Cassidy episode of A Shot of Brandy if you uh, want the mystique of Orange Cassidy to continue. Oh, okay. He's out of character. He talks a lot. Unlike, um, uh, unlike MJF, he breaks character. Yeah, yes. I would think he'd have to talk, though. Otherwise, it's just Brandy saying stuff to this silent guy who just is staring at her. Yeah, but it was weird because I'd never really seen him in that context. Aside she used from, to like, do a brand, shot of Brandy by herself. She didn't need a sidekick. Yeah. I guess, but if one's there and it's a guy just staring at her, I, that'd be weird. It I do think... Be. I wonder if they tried a version like that. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't like the tone of this. Um, When Orange just does retried the MJF episode, then was it really bad? Yeah, I haven't watched Shot of Brandy since. Because he was in character. It was awful. He was screaming. He kept saying rats, rats, and like derogatory things to women, and like she didn't stop him. It was disgusting. Uh, yeah, I guess I think that they should decide what the show is supposed to be. Like, I don't think you should have some people in character and some people not. Much like on podcasts. If I'm listening to an interview, I don't need you to pretend like I think you're your character. Okay, but the exception to that rule was, in fact, 
Maxwell Jacob Friedman on Talk is Jericho. It's true. I mean, I could tell he was in character and I was entertained. But I guess I, my default mode going into a podcast is this person is an entertainer and they will not be in character on this episode mm. because the point of the podcast is to interview them. Right. Yeah, Chris Statlander is not in character. Thank God. I mean, yes, but because I actually learned about her, but it was weird that... Well, it's weird when she is in character and talks about how she's some alien. Yeah, I mean, granted, yes. I do miss her orange segments on the... Yeah, and also Trent, like, weirdly following them, being like, should I drink coffee out of a bowl? (laughs) (laughs) Should I baby Yoda this coffee? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Oh, well, now's as good a time as any since Andy brought up MJF being in character. He is part of this next segment, and he is in a character. We go ringside, where Tony is attempting to interview the gun club, specifically Billy of the gun club. But MJF cuts him off and says, hey, Tony, what, be... What could, what could Tony possibly have been asking Billy Gunn about? I think that's why we get no words, honestly, yeah. is because it's like, here's a loose premise for me to be standing near you. <laughs> like, he doesn't, we, we hear nothing from him. Tony doesn't even get a question out. MJF rolls up and he's like, hey, Tony, you're a human mic stand. Hold this up. I've got stuff to say. <laughs> and I love Tony's facial expressions during this whole thing because MJF is cutting a promo. He's talking about how he's mad about Jungle Boy and then he got a shot at the TNT championship before him. And the whole time Tony is doing that like stubborn kid thing where he's like mimicking, like basically making a shitty face and also going like mouthing the same words like me, 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 but silently. And it's just great. Um, But yeah, ultimately like MJF's mad. And he says he's a shark in a pool of minnows. I believe we've heard this comparison before, at which point, Billy cuts him off and says, yo, you're already talking to a shark. And MJF responds by insulting his sons. I guess the other guy standing next to Austin is a son. He's wearing a gun club shirt. Didn't know he existed. I mean, why would you wear a gun club shirt unless you are a gun? You don't think they do great merch sales, Andy? Uh, have we heard of this son? Is there any context or is it just like, hey, Billy, we need to make a joke about your multiple sons? I knew I knew that I knew he had another son from his unrestricted. Did I get that right? Finally, mm-hmm. unrestricted interview where he, he mentioned that he had a, another son who was not in the business. OK, well, that son who's not in the business showed up to be in the crowd with his dad and his brother who are in the business just coincidentally this time when MJF decides to insult his dumb sons and that's like the point where Billy Gunn's like crossed a line sir (laughs) freaks out on him I mean I I get it right like I wouldn't want somebody to talk that kind of mess to my son no but if one of your sons is a professional wrestler and another professional wrestler insults him it's kind of like yeah that's what we do here but Billy Gunn got pissed, and he, like, came for MJF. So naturally, MJF's first instinct is to yell for Wardlow, who runs over to keep him safe. And all this culminates later in the show when we find out that MJF and Billy Gunn are going to have a match next week to settle this weird dispute that they've got. 
I was I was I was expecting Gun Club versus uh, MJF and Wardlow, but I guess that was uh, you know just too exciting to 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 put on TNT. I think that would have been more fun. Yeah, maybe they just don't trust Wardlow or Austin Gunn enough to <laughs> to do it. Probably Austin Gunn. Yeah. So that's that match. From there, we get an actual match between Sammy Guevara and Colt Cabana. Sammy rolls out in his Hit Me Up Mobile, which is puzzling because he's about to wrestle in a match, but he's on his scooter. Turns out he seems fine. And then Colt comes out and his Chiron says, has been recruited by the Dark Order, which felt like a very firm stance for something that was a little gray when we left it. Yeah, and there's no need to use another has-been Chiron after <laughs> the has-been drinking Adam Page. If you are not has-been drinking, get out of here. Exactly. But... Jim that... Ross was big into the narrative that both these guys need a win. Does Sammy need a win? That's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm sure he would rather have a win than a loss, but is he in, like... See in danger here? <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. It's like, I don't know, Sammy's coming off the stadium stampede. He's in a super group in this company. I think he's probably fine. Yeah. Colt, Colt, on the other hand, is not. And uh, he doesn't really do any better here. Sammy gets the win on him. He puts up a fight, but Sammy gets the win. And that that leads to after the match, the Dark Order showing up and as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is the whole power structure of the Dark Order. We've got Stu and Evil Uno showing up for the first time in months. We've got Ten. We've, We've got- never seen the Exalted One and Uno and Grayson in the same place. No, and honestly, this experience is not that exciting. He doesn't even acknowledge them. Walks right <laughs> past them. Um, but all he's the probably on. He's there. probably on Skype meetings with them like every week you know yeah i i would think if you talk to like the clean beavers they'd prefer to have been stuck in another country because they get a lot of shit from Brody lee but Mm -hmm. um i don't know maybe uno and Stu are a little better equipped to handle it regardless Brody lee is here he walks past all of his leadership structures around him and goes straight up to colt Colt is cowering on the ground. He has lost. He's leaning against a, the ring pole. He looks sad. And Brody Lee offers his hand and helps pull him to his feet. And JR, in case we you didn't get it, asks, do you think this is a metaphor for getting Colt back on his feet in his I career? <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, that's just literally what he did. <laughs> <laughs> just hammering, hammering it home. Um, yeah, so, and, and also we get the, the image of, after this happens, Brody Lee, he doesn't say a word to Cole, he helps him to his feet, and then he walks back past his team through one of the two tunnels on this stage, and they all follow him, and then Colt stands there, he walks to the center of the stage, he looks back and forth between the left and the right tunnel, and then he chooses to enter the same tunnel the Dark Order did to get to the backstage area, so... Yep. Went through the heel tunnel. Yep. 
So there you go. This is um this is like Greek tragedy level storytelling. Yes. Now, the match itself, we didn't talk about it. There wasn't like a whole lot to it. It was fine, but what I thought was especially strong about this match was all the all the middle finger uh, playing that they did at the beginning. That's a lot for television. It was a lot for television, but I liked how it built. It was they, they exchanged single middle fingers, and then eventually they built to exchanging double middle fingers, and Cold got the one up both times. It's true, and you thought yeah. it was over, and then Colt did a move, and then he ended the move by turning around and double middle finger. It was really good, but now yeah. he's joining a cult. Well, that's what happens. Um, they did highlight that Sammy's 26 and Colt's 40, so maybe Colt has a reason to want to join a cult. It's mm-hmm. old age. I feel like most old people don't join cults. I feel like it's like the young and you know, idealistic people that get sucked into cults. Well, in this career, Sammy has more upside than Colt because Colt's 40 and, you know, if you haven't made it yet, what else do you have to do besides join the cult? Like, buy a lazy boy, get yourself some cable. Yeah. Have a midlife crisis. I think you could do that. I mean, hasn't he already done... No, that's QT. Never mind. (laughs) QT is doing literally everything that is a midlife crisis. He got a hot car. He got a younger girlfriend. Got hair plugs. Oof. Bud. Do you think Colt is going to elevate the Dark Order at all? The way, like, do you think he's there to help Brody Lee sort of put some star power behind this cult, or do you think it's just gonna fizzle? I kind of think he might just like tear it down from the inside with his wackiness. He's too happy for a cult, honestly. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, but I also think that there's the potential. For him to, like, be kind of under their sway for a while. And in that case, I guess it would boost the star power a little bit. Although I have to say, when they were all standing out there, it did occur to me that, like, oh, this is, like, the coolest the Dark Order's ever looked with all of the guys. When you have the ones who have names and positions, yeah. It's when you pull out the the nonsense, like, putty patrol, it -hmm. really starts to fall apart. Yeah, green mask when, when that's like, Yeah, when that's yeah. like all you have to show. I could really be okay with another attempt to make this cult thing work. I think their promotional videos with their spokesperson is great. They're not going away, Jenny. They're, going away. They're either going to be good or really bad. So. Jenny's, Jenny's so pissed at you. Uh. <laughs> saying they've built this up too much it's not gonna just go away so if it's gonna happen on television don't you want it to be better oh i guess if i have to watch it well jenny or it could just be like matt hardy and i can just fast forward through a segment speaking of other things you love watching matt hardy is here this cult goes away but matt hardy remains or he shows up and then he stays 
Uh, that was the second part of this after the match segment here. After Colt and the Colt, Colt and the Colt, yep, are gone. Sammy is left out there, and he's like, "Hey, play my music. I won. Screw this guy who lost. I'm the best. I should be getting celebrated." And as soon as this music plays, it stops because classic Matt Hardy is here, and he has a microphone. He's here to tell Sammy he respects him. He likes his attitude, how he never gives up. But if he's going to succeed, he's got to get away from Chris Jericho. Sammy didn't like to hear that. No, Sammy loves Chris Jericho. It's like his dad. Hmm. Matt transforms into, I don't know. He's classic Matt at the start. He's like um, Matt Hardy version one. Is what he transformed into with the Matt facts. Or the, okay. Sorry, the the matter of facts. Yes, we get that that screen overlay with the Matt facts. He doesn't change his costume. It's not like the magical Matt transformation. He just changes his voice, which is weirder because you just see him sort of like look down and then look up. It's it's very much like an improv exercise. And he also transforms into damascus this way mm-hmm. yeah he's, he gets real pissed yeah sammy makes him mad so his final transformation is damascus who chases sammy out of the ring and yells delete at him and yells that he is going to mash sammy into a mafongo which is his favorite snack yeah Matt fact and mafongos have come up on the show before because of that time that we looked up Puerto Rican cuisine, because we didn't know any. Oh, yeah. And it all sounded really good. Yeah. It made me very hungry. Which made me theorize that uh, Rebecca, uh, Matt Hardy's wife, must be uh, Puerto Rican of descent, because I imagine that's where he would know about that stuff from. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Ugh, man. I'm remembering our Puerto Rican food conversation and it's making me hungry again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She was born in Flushing, a neighborhood in the north central part of Queens, New York. She's of Puerto Rican heritage. That makes sense. All right. A couple of things, Megan. Yes. One, Take Flight, the Sonia Guevara theme song, is very good. I like the lyrics to it a lot. I don't know that I've ever actually listened to them. You should listen to the song sometime. It's good. Okay. Um, number two, this was the least worked for me Matt Hardy segment since his one-on-one with Jericho where they yelled elite and delete back and forth. I would agree. I think it's because he's alone. I, I think it's because he's alone and there's not post-production. Yes. I think those are the things that Matt Hardy needs to be successful if he's going to do this character. Like Ronda Rousey, he needs post-production for his acting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Learned that in Fast 7, learned that in Saturday Night Live. Yeah. (laughs) Jenny's face when she saw Fast 7, she was so excited to see Ronda Rousey, and then she saw her act, and you could see just the the disappointment. Well, and it's like, you leave your sport 
for this dream and you suck at your dream. Like, it's sad. <laughs> Do you remember when she was, like, stomping to be Captain Marvel? Can you I imagine? Oh, my do, God. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I think, and I think there, like, there was heat around that just because she was so, like, popular at that moment. And thank God it didn't happen. Thank God. Can you imagine having to watch a full movie of that? No, no I mean, she's got the look. I'll give her that. Of well, course, but she cannot act. Yeah. No. No. Oh. Kind of like Matt of the Young Bucks. How dare you? How dare He has this acting voice and, and face. Like, and kind of like Matt of the Hardys. Yes. <laughs> I think Matt of the Young Bucks knows he can't act and he leans into it and that's why I enjoy it. Matt no, Hardy, I agree he's, with that. he's acting his little heart out and it's just not... It's oh, like Starship Troopers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Hardy would be at home in Starship Troopers, for sure. So, yeah. So, him transforming characters without any editing or, like, even leaving screen and coming back doesn't work for me. Um, yeah. I think I think that is the key. I think it's just, like, him trying to do that stuff in the, like, harsh light of day does not work. I think part of the fun of it is the visual cue of him fully transforming costume-wise and stuff. Without mm. that, it's just, again, like, I think bad improv exercise where, who's your character now? <laughs> you just, like, look yeah. down and suddenly you're different. I, it just does not work. So what do you think? Are we thinking that's another, we got another Fighter Fest match there? Sammy versus Matt? Could be. To try and save Sammy's soul from Chris Jericho. Yeah. Now, somewhere in here, it was announced that uh, the Sex Gods are wrestling the Best Friends next week, and if they win, they get their Fighter Fest uh, title shot. Yeah, which I thought, Best Friends, why would you do that? They're just so mad, Megan. I. It's like when they put up their name against Nakazawa and Kenny. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't vol. You don't need to volunteer stuff that you have. As a stipulation, you you're giving up your power. Maybe they have a gambling problem. Maybe. Maybe. So I am very excited to see uh, the team of the Natural Nightmares defend their newly won AEW Tag Team Championships against the Sex Gods at Fighter Fest. Oh my god! <laughs> What's happening? What I mean, was we I mean, Technically, both of those things. That, that, that whole thing I just said is possible. I know, and I hate it. I think we're probably still going to get the original match. Because <laughs> I don't think Jericho can wrestle for the tag titles and wrestle Orange Cassidy on the same show. Think of how red he would be. He'd be so red. <laughs> Although it's a two-week it's a two week event, so, you know. Mm. Yeah. I just kind of assumed when they announced that stipulation that there would be shenanigans on the um, sex god side, and somehow it would lead to, not a disqualification, but they would get beaten in a way that wouldn't hurt their credibility, but would also, like, be them getting their comeuppance. I think Orange should probably cost Jericho the match. Yeah. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. What, um, does Jericho's name have any fruit that he could put into a bag and hit him with? Chris Jericho. Cherry? Is that a thing? Yeah. You'd have to ha- you'd have to have a lot of pounds of cherries to <laughs> do some damage. Seeds in. 
Maybe like 20 pounds of cherry pits. Oh, that would oh, suck. Oh, ow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like cherries because of the You're pits. allowed. You're allowed. I love cherries. I know you do. Yeah. Do they make pitted cherries or do they sell pitted cherries? I don't think so. I don't know. Like the way they do uh, like prunes and and grapes. And yeah, think... like do we have the technology? I don't know. We uh we bought seedless grapes the other day. They were not seedless. Well I yeah. ate a lot of seeds by accident. Did you know that there's a thing such that is uh, yellow watermelon because my parents for sure found it out when they ordered a Kroger grocery delivery and the <laughs> person inadvertently picked up a watermelon that from the outside looked the same, but inside yellow. Weird. It full on looked like just like not bad and it tasted exactly the same, but my brain had to do like weird gymnastics to get to the point where <laughs> I could eat it. Uh, it's just a mutation, apparently. The thing is, when you cut it up, it looks like pineapple. Yeah. And, and so when I was taking it and getting ready to eat it, I, the entire time, from, the, from hand to mouth, I was like, this is pineapple. And then I ate it, and I'm like, <laughs> nope. This is not pineapple. Nope. <laughs> it was really weird. And Emily... Um, refused to eat it because it was not the right color and she's not able to get past that. Food racist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put her in that category. She just um I don't she's picky and she couldn't eat it. My parents couldn't eat it. They were like, no, it just doesn't make sense. I didn't know yellow watermelon was a thing. Um uh, but yeah it looks like pineapple but it tastes like watermelon. It was perfectly fine. It tasted great. It was juicy. It was watermelony. It just was yellow and very confusing. So be careful if you order watermelon and have it delivered because your grocery shopper may not pay attention. Fair enough. Indeed. Okay, let's go to Joey Janela. He's got some stuff happening in his life, guys. When does he not? Uh, I don't know. I just assumed a lot of the time he probably didn't have much going on. But I, I just assume that his life at all times is just like. Can't this... believe I can't believe I lost Penelope. No. What am I gonna I do? Mean, yeah, but like just this, like. Why does it keep saving guy after rubbing in my face all like, the time? Just... <laughs> I don't know. He gives me anxiety. I mean, so when you saw this, Jenny, did you not think, yeah, this seems right. Like Joey Janela at a bar, pounding shots, questioning all his life choices and saying, I don't know that I am where I need to be. Yeah, that sounds right. It reminded <laughs> me of that second Moxley video from last year. Um, do you remember that one? The one in the bar, Megan? It was like the going to New Japan announcement video. It was, like, styled in the same way as the Breaking Out of Jail video. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it made me think of. Yeah, the production values on this one, though, I think, you know, he's got Tony Khan money. It, yeah, it looked it looked fantastic. 
And I was intrigued by the premise. Yeah, it was very good. So we see Joey Janela at a bar, pounding shots, questioning where he's at. He says that he came to AEW to be a star, but ever since his max match with Moxley, he's basically like kind of faded out of the picture. Like that was the highlight of his career here. And so he leaves the bar and he's walking down the street. He's looking. had some good like hair moments. Oh, I don't think he appreciates that that's like a strong point for him. I know he puts a lot of effort into it, but maybe he doesn't see that we appreciate it. <laughs> Guys, he was in the Cracker Barrel Clash, a four star match if there ever was one. It's true. He's had some moments. He just doesn't think that, I guess, anything after the match with John Moxley was good enough. Mm. So he's sad. He's walking down the street. He's what about the just... stuff with Jesus? Well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that stuff was all in Dark. Oh, was it? Yeah. That's back when Dark was good. Yeah. He... I actually really liked Dark when it first started. Yeah. He invited Jesus to the cruise. Like, he did. Jesus oh, yeah. followed him. It should be the other way around. <laughs> should be. <laughs> you think? Jesus Christ, superstar. Oh my gosh. I actually really like that musical. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I saw it in Catholic school at such a young age, and <laughs> I don't know what they were like. I don't know why they showed it to us, honestly. But... I saw it multiple times in Catholic school. Like, I think it was like, all right, we, we, teachers don't want to teach today. Let's, let's roll out the TV and watch. That's actually probably <laughs> it. It's like, what's a good Catholic movie we can show? <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. My middle school teacher, when he didn't want to teach, he would show us uh, episodes of Hercules, The Legendary Journey, starring Kevin Sorbo. And at oh a certain point, God. it's like, number one, this is Greek mythology. <laughs> Number two, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> my, uh, my Latin teacher had, like, this whole, like, it was, like, triple the Pride and Prejudice VHS box set of some, like, Rome series. So, like, that, the Rise, Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. I always yeah. liked it when we had those days. Yeah. And it had to translate. I think I got to see that um, Armand Asante version of Odysseus movie. At some point, that might. Oh yeah. Have, oh yeah. Might have been yeah. in college. I don't really. No, know. I took mythology in high school too, and I I think we definitely watched that in in my mythology class in high school. That was a TV movie, right? It totally was. Yeah. Okay. Ugh, education, huh? It's good times. Yeah. So to get back to Joey Janela, um, yeah. Uh, despite his interaction with Jesus, again, he's still down on his... He is not self-confident right now. And he's walking down the street. He has just been drinking a lot. I think we've all been in this place at some point. But um, we didn't all have Sunny Kiss to help us. Sunny Kiss rolls up in a very fancy car. Uh, a two-seater, a little sports number. I don't know what type of car it is because I'm not a car person. But it looked hot. And Sonny's like, what are you doing out here, Joey? As if, I don't know, I guess they don't all sort of hang out in the same area. And Joey's like, hey, man, I'm drunk. I need to get home. (laughs) (laughs) Which is responsible. It's responsible. He was walking home. Respect. Um, Yes, good boy. And Sonny's like, okay, get in. 
And then we get a to be continued across the bottom as Sunny Kiss drives Joey apparently home, but also maybe just this is the beginning of their awesome adventure. I hope so. Yeah. I think this I think this has potential. I'm really excited to see this. This feels I, like this felt to me like Sunny Kiss being called up from NXT. I know, right? I'm like, yay, Sunny <laughs> Kiss, I get to see more of you. And apparently you and Joey are gonna be like buddies in this story. I'm into it. Be like a Thelma and Louise thing. Oh, totally. Yeah, they I was. So, I was. I thought this. They, they did a lot with a little with this. Uh, with this little vignette. Yeah, I, I'm definitely like interested to see where this goes. They accomplished that. They got me hooked. Huh. Aside, aside from the, aside from battle royals. Sunny Kiss has never wrestled on Dynamite. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, now he's he's going to probably get a chance now. All his matches were on Dark because even I his yeah. tag team when he and Dustin teamed up. Yeah. Kiss and makeup. Yeah, I love the kiss and makeup. <laughs> that was uh, good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was that was the fourth episode of Dark. Yeah, Sonny deserves a shot here. This is, like, one of their roster members who has the skill and they just have never given an arc to. I agree. Yeah. Well, now it looks like he's going to get a shot. I'm into it. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm excited for him. I think Sonny Kiss is, like, up there with one of the most likable characters on a, in, in an AEW. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to think of a more just genuinely likable character than Sunny Kiss. Just exudes, like, happiness and smiles and good energy. Yeah, like, very positive and upbeat. Like, uh, like NXT Bailey. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have the compulsion to hug people as much, but he seems like he has a good outlook. in these COVID times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not the time for it, but I, I, this is not a duo I would have put together, but seeing them interact, I really like where this is going. Yeah, me too. Well, I think in real life, they're really close. Because isn't Joey also close with Sammy? Yeah. And Sonny's always hanging out with Sammy. Yeah. All oh, that's funny. All those, all those young guys are like real buddy buddy. Joey's not that young. <laughs> Let's be honest. I Joey hope, is not that young. I hope Sonny can help Joey take his hair game to the next level. Also, because Sonny has it figured out, and Joey seems like sometimes he does, but other times he does not. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Sometimes it gets real frizzy. Yeah. I think you need like. Which I understand humidity in in Florida. Yeah. Chris Statlander. Thing was, I think, having a little frizzy hair day today, which was fine. They all looked, everyone looked extremely hot. I can only imagine the humidity levels in Florida at this point, but, ugh, it's rough. I hope that's, I, I, I hope that this team gets, like, a chance and gets some focus and maybe some, a few, a few more weeks of uh, cool vignettes before we I hope so. actually see them team up. Yeah, and please, guys, come up with the team name. Because that makes it official. Yeah. yeah. Or use the team name that your unofficial podcast has given you. 
mega hung. Well, wait, what's the unofficial Sunny Kiss Joey Janela name? Hair split. Sunny with a chance of white claw. <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Is that too long, though? Oh, I don't think you're allowed to say white claw. I think <laughs> it's... You're Sunny using with a chance of claw. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. Okay. Well, we'll have to see what they've got going on. Hopefully next week, the to be continued didn't imply necessarily when, but I'm hoping sooner rather than later. For now, we have to go backstage and Dasha does her best to try and get a hold of Cole Cabana. She asks him, Hey, Colt, <laughs> did the losses to Jericho and Sammy Guevara bring you here to where you are? Um, the implied being in your life, your what failures. What the fuck, Dasha? <laughs> <laughs> she has taken a page out of Tony's book of like, I'm not really asking you a question. I'm just going to point out some real bad shit. <laughs> um, Colt doesn't a- answer. He he is kind of brushing past her, and we see that he brushes past her, and he is right outside Mr. Brody Lee's office, and he looks at her after she asks him this very pointed question and then goes into the office. She gets no answer, and Colt is apparently at least in discussions with Mr. Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. Dasha, that was mean, but there we are. Yeah. Uh, Another backstage interviewer that seems to suffer from this problem is Alex Marvez. And he is attempting to get in touch with John Moxley, who is outside the building, heading in. It's evening time. And Marvez doesn't even get a question out. Before Moxley cuts him off and says, you know what? Like, I'm in a really bad mood. I got no time, no patience for people that run their mouths without knowing what they're talking about. And he is specifically referring to Taz because apparently Taz has been talking a lot of mess about how Brian Cage is going to defeat Moxley at Fighter Fest. And he's basically like a giant ball of rage at this point. And, and it hurts him to sit on the toilet. Well, yeah, because he's got that bruised tailbone. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was... <laughs> he just really hates going to the bathroom, Jenny. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what was happening. How did he bruise his tailbone? Like, what specifically was the match? I was... I would... I'm not sure, but I, my guess is that it was the Brody Lee match of the pay-per-view when they went through that, like, that part of the stage. Okay. Oh, I was so much more worried about his head hitting the edge. I know, right? Why would it hurt to sit on the toilet because there's a hole? It wouldn't actually touch your tailbone. When you I hurt think... your tailbone, did it hurt to sit on the toilet? Yeah. I, I think it just hurt you're... to sit on the ground. You're stretching. Like, your muscles are yeah. flexing. Mm. Like, so, like, part of you is still, like, hitting the the back of the toilet seat. Oh, why didn't you just move up a bit so you were more? <laughs> I mean, I, pr- I probably Like did. a donut. Like, people that have, like... You know, hernias and well, things they like sit on a donut so that they're like, you know, the the tailbone. I thought didn't hit the chair. Yeah, and I thought, well, a toilet's a natural t- donut. Yeah, yeah, but when you sit down, you're um, you're like extending your your glutes, and I'm assuming if part of them are bruised. It hurts if they move. Have you ever been somewhere where the the toilet seat was a little bit puffy? Yes, I didn't like it. Yeah. 
It's like it's like they were actually taking that concept of making the toilet seat a donut, like and and like just actualizing it. Yeah, I think my grandma had one because I guess that was big back in like, I was her time. Going to say the same thing, Megan. Like <laughs> I think my grandma had one too because I don't sit on public toilet seats, so I don't you know come in contact with a lot of. I don't think public toilet seats are puffy either, though they're very utilitarian, like easy to clean. These I. I get the impression that the puffy toilet seats are supposed to be fancy, but yeah. I, I hate them. Uh, Andy, where have you come in contact with the puffy toilet seat? I honestly, I can't. I'm trying to like remember uh, where. I don't think my grandma had one. Um, definitely wasn't at my parents' house. I, I don't know. I know that I've. I know. <laughs> I know there's a place where I would routinely encounter it. Maybe a friend's house because again, I don't think they like put these things in public areas. I think it was Jason's house. No. Okay. Jason, when we were when we were kids, I think that's where the puffy toilet seat was. Yep. Puffy toilets. Okay. <laughs> Loving this puffy toilet talk, but let's jump back to the segment where Taz makes an appearance. Taz is mad that Moxley has the gall to basically say what he's been doing all week so he yells at moxley and this is enough of a distraction that brian cage comes out of like from behind this trailer shirtless in jeans it's quite a look and he (sighs) he runs up behind moxley and attacks him while tass is screaming at him and then these two Really fight it out in the parking lot in this one single red car with a license plate that reads AEW just takes the brunt of the damage. They are throwing each other onto it. Moxley uh, hits the side window out with, I want to say, a, yeah, like I was going to say a crowbar, but it was small. So you're right. It's a pipe. And then Cage ultimately ends this fight by tossing Mo- Moxley into the back window, which shatters it. But, like, they, they are bouncing each other off of it the whole time. So I hope Tony Khan has insurance on what I assume is his car. But it's a real parking lot brawl. Yeah, it was cool. Like the, I, liked, I liked Taz's promo. I like Mox's promo. And I like the brawl. Three for three. I was very distracted by Brian Cage's outfit. Which is to say Gene. That's a poor lack thereof. I was distracted by... Uh, Brian Cage almost running Taz over as he, like, attacked Moxley initially. Yeah, he got, like, some momentum going. And he just yeah. Can't stop those roids. No. No. I continue to be excited for this Fighter Fest match. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. Jenny, did you have any thoughts on this before we move on to the main event? Nah. I think you covered him. Okay. That leaves the main event, which is the, like, Cody Open Challenge for the TNT Championship. And this week he is facing Mark Quinn. And this is Mark Quinn's first outing as a singles wrestler. But when he comes out, he's accompanied by both Isaiah Cassidy and Matt Hardy, who, you know, supported Private Party as a team a couple weeks ago. So... Unsurprisingly, at least to me, Cody gets the win on this one. Um, he does an ankle lock after Mark Quinn tries to do a shooting star press. Like he moves, and as Mark hits 
the mat, Cody grabs his leg. It was very intense. And uh, Mark Quinn is forced to tap out to this. So, I guess Hardy Party is a thing. Like, be- beyond the show? Because they haven't done any anything with it. Well, they just did that, that segment last week. And then this week... Like, Matt actually came out with them. Like, he's their manager. He did, but he's also reaching out to Sammy. Matt is doing a lot of outreach. Yeah. And he carried back, um, who got injured last week, the week that FTR appeared? It was Mark. Yeah. It was Mark Quinn? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they sold the story that he, when he started this match, his ankle was okay, but not 100%. And then Cody spent the whole match just, like, wailing on his one leg. Yeah, um, that was kind of my problem with the match. That not that, Co- not that Cody was working on it, but that Quinn would kind of sell it intermittently. Yeah, because he had to do high spots. I know he did, but <laughs> like, I don't know. Should, maybe it should have been the arm a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah. Like, or or maybe like the story of the match should have been him building up to one big dive that like that takes everything he's got but he kept like he would like do a big move and then he'd sell for a few seconds and then he'd get up and he'd do another big move it was just kind of like it was just like all right well i can't really get into the story you're telling here because it doesn't make any sense yeah that 450 under the ramp looked really cool though yeah that was awesome and i I I love that because cody like rolled out of the ring and it's like oh i'm safe now (laughs) he was not safe (laughs) There was a brief second where I was like, are you going to di- dive onto Arn? Because he looked back, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, don't do it. Arn is not equipped to catch you. <laughs> yeah, poor, I, Arn, poor Arn got a, got a little bit later, though. Uh, yeah. I thought this one started out kind of slow, and it maybe took them a minute to find their pace and like click and then once they did it was good but I was worried at the beginning like what if this isn't a good match yeah I was they didn't announce his opponent for next week but I hope I hope that next week we do get the Ray Phoenix Cody match because I think that would be that I think that could be really something special is Ray Phoenix okay I think so I think they just wanted to give him another week to to kind of although they're taping tonight so, if he wasn't, if they didn't want him to do it yesterday, they probably wouldn't want him to do it today either. So maybe, maybe the maybe week after next. <laughs> I want him to take the time he needs to get. I do too, but I also want to see him break wrestle just anybody really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but after the match, sort of to kind of set up where this is going, Jake Hager walks out. He stares down Cody, and then he starts to approach the ring and looks like he's going after Cody and then does a quick detour to attack Arn. Cody tries to help Arn, but Hager turns on him and starts attacking him, and then Private Party and Matt Hardy both run out to save Cody. They, Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy are both carrying metal chairs at this point. And once they dispatch... Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz, and Sammy show up 
to join him like on the stage and then they all come back to the ring and a brawl ensues and the refs run out and once they're all separated finally cody gets on the mic and looks at hager and is like you want this at fighter fest you got it so they have a match scheduled for fighter fest assuming that cody is the champion at the time yeah i wonder if he's gonna keep defending his title every week until that point since that's like a match that's been signed now uh when is fighter fest uh july 1st and eighth and eighth yeah <clears throat> so that's like three and four weeks away yeah, so there's two more dynamites before before Fighter Fest. Okay. I mean, maybe. Or maybe he just confidently goes forward with yeah. it. I don't know. I expect it to be Cody and Hager when it gets to Fighter Fest time. Oh yeah, totally. Like I don't think there's any way that it wouldn't be. So what did you think of this whole thing? I, I like just in general. Jenny, you haven't said anything. Well, what's uh, what did you think of the the show closing angle? It's not quite an open challenge like John Cena had. That's what that's what your thought is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you mean? Like when John Cena held the USA title, um. USA something, I don't know, champions. United States Championship. United States Championship title. He would come out every week and he'd say, who's going to fight me? And they would act like he didn't know. And, like, someone's music would play and he'd, like, fight people. And, like, he'd fight people from NXT or people who hadn't been on out on TV for a while. Like, just anyone who wanted to fight him. But this isn't quite it. I was hoping it was going to be this. Because I really enjoyed that storyline. Right. Like, well, well, I mean... Because Cody presented it like he was going to do that. Maybe that's why they didn't announce an opponent for next week. So he can come out there and it'll truly be like a surprise. That'd be fun. Yes. I always, I like that. I I can't remember what the verbiage was now, but Cena Cena had like a spiel that he did before that every week. Mm -hmm. Where he would like say his thing and say like, gentlemen, the time is now or, you know, something and... I was like to give anyone who wanted the opportunity the opportunity. Yeah. And he felt confident enough in himself and his title that he could defend it. Confident in my sexuality. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was scheduling the fact that Cody has to schedule stuff. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. So I didn't like this. I think that this felt to me like Tony Khan said, well, we haven't had a dynamite end with a brawl in a while. We just so ha- we have to end in a brawl every time. That's just your perception. No, it's it, we had to end in a brawl two weeks ago with the Tyson thing. That's yeah. That was just two weeks ago. Yeah. So this just felt like another one of those. And like the the challenge felt clunky to me that Cody laid out. And I don't know, I just didn't like it. I mean, I agree, but I thought I was biased because I don't care about Jake Hager. And also this was like, there was no like preamble to this. All of a sudden Hager's now going after the TNT championship. And I was like, okay, 
cool. It just, I didn't care. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of into the match. I just, I just did like the, I just did like the segment to set it up. Yeah. And he pushed Arn, and there was no consequence. No, no, he was Arn. Arn's eyes bugged out. It was really, it was really good. He's an old man. Yeah. Something good did come out of that Tyson brawl. The gooch. We know oh about the gooch Oh my now. god, the fucking gooch. <laughs> Hikaru Shida made a new friend. So one of the Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders is uh-huh. from Japan. And so oh. she met her, because you remember how, like, Vicky Guerrero, yeah. like, with the cheerleaders? And she posted a picture with her that night, and like, oh, this is Kiko, she's from Japan, had such a great meet. And then she just posted a picture three hours ago of her having coffee with that girl, and she said she they talked for, like, three hours at the coffee shop. Oh, my God. It makes me so happy that she is finding, like, really close friends and new friends and... That's oh, awesome. that's good. That's someone she can identify with too. Like you know, she's homesick. Somebody who understands her, her like situation. Yeah. Also, yesterday was her birthday, so they made her lose on her <laughs> second champ on her second defending of the champion. Well, not defending of the championship on her second match since she became the champion, and it was her birthday, guys. Yeah. It sounds like WWE shit. It's like when they made down. Natalie lose when she was in. Um, Toronto or no, Calgary. Calgary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a very cute story that she. Isn't is that cute? That's adorable. Well, everything she does is adorable. I know. If she was like our only follow on Instagram, I'd be happy looking at the posts. Yeah, yeah. So that's dynamite. Overall, I thought. Um, it was okay. I, I didn't like the way it kind of ended. I didn't really like the main event, and I didn't like the, the last angle. I just generally... I, I can't tell you one of the brawls, of the many, many brawls that Dynamite has ended in that I've actually enjoyed. Can you guys name one? I can name one. The one, the go-home show for Full Gear, where all... And that was the one that Megan was talking about, where Moxley and Omega were brawling with each other but then like the inner circle came out and so they kind of peeled off and and helped out with that because they were like well fuck this and that also ended with uh nick jackson doing a dive off the top of the set Hmm. see i I remember that one very vividly i i feel like i like spots in brawls but overall the like chaos of it overwhelms me in a way that i just i don't like it <laughs> like i i just kind of check out because there's so much going on and that's just a personal problem i think for me yeah megan Meg i think i have the same issue it's just like overload yeah like i like really um focused storytelling i guess is that why you like the brawl where brock and undertaker kept like escaping people to get each other because it was really just the two of them fighting yeah, and also at that point, it's just total insanity where I'm watching The Undertaker be in a slap fight with Brock Lesnar, basically. <laughs> like, that's that to me. Because those were the only two really important people in that brawl. It wasn't like the the roster. Yeah, it was mostly security, I think, right? Yeah, it, it was like still them, even though multiple people were involved. So that that made sense, but... 
for the bras. Like when AEW first started and it seemed like the first few weeks, every show ended with just multiple people running out and doing stuff. It did. It's an overload. It's like, okay, even if the angle's really cool, I just... I can't even keep track of the stupid match cards for next week or this week or whatever. <laughs> and now you're throwing this at me. It, it's too much. My brain can't process it. It's just not my style of thing. So completely personal. And I totally know it's a me problem. I just, I lose track of what's going on and check out when like a ton of people flood onto the ring, you know? Um. I yeah I I don't I'm 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 I don't I don't think that's a bad note at all. Uh, I think I, I do think what they were trying to do in October November was to just kind of establish the inner circle as like the top heels, and that's probably why they got so much heat for all those weeks. And that makes sense. And once they became a thing, I was on board. Up until then, I was like, okay, a lot of people are doing stuff. I get it, but please just end the show. Oh it, yeah, totally. And especially, that's another thing, is the very end of the show. By that point, like, I'm tired. I've watched a <laughs> lot of wrestling. And now we're doing something that's just, like, please focus on all of these people. I can't. It. I can't. I lose it. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, let's talk ratings real quick. Bad week. Bad week. Um. Uh, I'm just going to read from the Wrestling Observer newsletter story on this. Uh, I'm sorry, the WrestlingObserver.com story. AW Dynamite and TNT and WWE NXT on USA finished nearly tied in total viewers this week, and both shows were substantially down in the key demo. Dynamite averaged 677,000 viewers, 7.3% from last week. It was the third lowest viewership total for the show on TNT. In the 18 to 49 demo, Dynamite finished 14th on cable with a 0.23 rating down almost 21% from the previous week. Last night's Fox Sports 1 NASCAR broadcast drew 1.711 million viewers and a 0.3 rating in 18 to 49. It likely took viewers away from both shows. Anyone wants any semblance of a sport, even though NASCAR isn't a sport? Yeah. Hey, NXT they outlawed the Confederate flag, so... Yeah, I thought that was a good move. I, I saw that a driver already quit over it, and I was just like... And oh, was, my God. And, like, the, note, the, on, the note on him was, like, he retires with no wins. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw the headline, like, guy in 28th place retires because of the flag. Yeah. NASCAR loses nothing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, NXT averaged 673,000 viewers. So, again, that's NXT 673, Dynamite 677. So just 4,000 viewers, Yikes. which is basically like a statistical error. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, yeah I'm sure it is. Um, I can't believe how much NASCAR crossover there is with with apparently AEW and less so with N- NXT because NXT didn't Well, we know that, that NXT now, has its core base of just about 600,000. So Megan, NXT's uh, 18 to 49 was also down 20%. So it was down the same percent in the demo as Dynamite was. It's just they have those old guys that, like, will watch it. Like, a tornado is coming through their house, and they're sitting on their couch watching NXT. Yeah, the young crowd is not their top demo. (laughs) 
Megan, that reminds me of a. I don't know if I ever showed you this one, but like back in the TNA Mecha days, there was a there was a thread on there uh, during an episode of Impact where it was like a live watch thread, and one of the members was text or was like posting in this thread about Dynamite while also giving an update on his mother having uh, like uh, a seizure. And the 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 and the ambulance coming to take her out of the hospital. What the which he hell? Did, which he did not go. He did not go with her. He kept commenting on on impact. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> TNA Mecca was both a treasure and a trash fire, and I I can't even deal with it. I miss it. I miss yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the total combined audience of 1.35 million viewers was the fifth lowest uh, combination of viewers since the uh, show debuted on cable last November. As usual, AEW won every ratings demo except for people over 50, where a uh, you know NXT always does better. And uh, yeah, bad bad numbers. Do you think it was just NASCAR? Or do you think something about last week? Like, I, I so I think there are two things at play here. I think NASCAR hurt, especially the key demo, and I think that uh, NXT was coming off a takeover, mm. so they didn't get hurt as bad in the overall viewers because there was probably some curiosity for people who didn't watch Takeover to see what like what happened. There was a house set on Takeover. That's right, there was. <laughs> uh. News. I don't have a lot of news today, but I thought that I've got some notes from the uh, Talk is Jericho episode of the Inner Circle, which I thought was one of the one of the better Talk is Jericho's in quite a long time. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun and, and light. I know not necessarily maybe the episode I was looking for from him, but yeah. it was kind of fun to see like the dynamic of these guys and, and they do truly all seem to be like very good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's, I just got some notes here. Uh, Sammy Guevara was first told he would be part of the group with Chris Jericho over All Out Weekend in August 2019, and he did not believe it at first. He thought, he just thought that it was, he was being bullshitted, and he, he just said, like, well, you know how it is in wrestling. You hear something, and then until it actually happens, you never know if it's... I've heard a lot of people say that about hearing about AEW in general before it started. I could see that. Yeah, like you know, there's always there's, you always hear stories about somebody's got money and they're gonna start a company. You know, uh, AEW reached out to Santana and Ortiz to see how much time they had left on their deals with Impact, and uh, they were pitched on the idea of a group with Jericho, as they were really big fans of him. And in fact, it was really cute. Uh, they told Chris Jericho on the air on the Talk is Jericho thing, and he he sounded like he hadn't heard this before that their both their inspiration for getting into wrestling was reading his first autobiography. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But wait, why would you start with that? Wouldn't you have watched some wrestling before you read an autobiography about No, but like, but Jericho's book is kind of a roadmap for aspiring wrestlers to like, to like, because it's about him getting into the business. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just see wrestling on TV. Like, if you see John Cena and you're like, and and you're like a teenager and you're like, and you're like, oh, maybe I want to do that, but like, I can't be John Cena. Look at this guy, you know. But if you learn about John Cena and where he came from and like what he did to get there, maybe it's more realistic. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, Jericho said they initially suggested Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix for the team in the group, but Jericho oh. thought they were too gimmicky for what he wanted. What? What? Now, I, I think it would have a different <laughs> dynamic because it wouldn't be as goofy yeah. as the inner circle is now. Right. But, like, god damn, that would have been a good group. With the Lucha Brothers instead of yeah. Prime Powerful? Yeah. I'm happy with what we got. No, 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 not instead of. No, this would have been instead of. Oh, I thought it would have been instead of uh, Jake Hager and Sammy Guevara. No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jericho and Jake Hager, uh, they train together at a gym in Florida, the MMA gym that they train at. And... Uh, they they had AEW had signed this uh, British Olympic boxer named Anthony Agogo, and they were trying to like they're, they're trying to train him to wrestle. He's kind of he's stuck in England now, but uh, and they wanted to use him in that spot to to kind of groom him. But Jericho, you know, he always liked Hager from the WWE days, and he wanted to he thought he was a better fit. Um, also, like because Agogo is like five foot eleven, and Jericho said like we wanted like one really big guy in the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so J- then Jericho gave this explanation uh, about the MMA fighters during the uh, the Mike Tyson angle, and he was trying to explain the way he wanted to do. And uh, Vitor Belfort, one of the UFC guys, asked if he should like like do takedowns on the guys, and Jericho's like, "No, no, just like <laughs> keep it all standing up." Because I think this he is like, pro wrestling. Yeah, Calm yourself. Yeah. <laughs> And Hager brought up that uh, he had wrestled uh, one of the guys, Rashad Evans, when they were when they were in college and like yeah. amateur in amateur wrestling. Um, the original plan for that angle was for Tyson to knock out Sammy Guevara, uh, but that got changed. They were expecting four of them to come out. It was supposed to be Tyson, Rashad, Henry Cejudo, and Vitor Belfort, and then like eight guys came out, including like, the Gooch. The gooch. <laughs> Jericho was pissed about the Gooch's role in the pull-apart and how he got in the middle of everything. Well, why was he in the forefront? He was standing right next to Tyson the whole time. so distracting. Yes. I think they, they, Jericho tried not to, uh, like, incriminate himself here, but the other guys were joking about uh, Jericho taking some liberties on the Gooch during the brawl. Oh, did he? I think, I, think he, I, think, I think he gave him a couple of good whacks. I think if you show up to a pro wrestling event and you don't know what you're doing, you get receipts or whatever. Yeah. The Gooch was so distracting. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know. What did they say about the Gooch? Just that, like, they, like, they didn't know what the hell he was doing. They were worried about him because, like, because they, they didn't know him. They didn't know his back. They didn't know he was just some actor. So and he was just like being fucking crazy, and so like I think I think they were all kind of scared of him. He had on the wacky eye makeup, and it's like this isn't about you, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt about the gooch. I'm like, this is not about you, dude. <laughs> uh, and as for the stadium stampede, uh, the elaborate bar fight between Jake Hager and Hangman Page, one take. And I told you that. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the episode. Okay. You were like, probably how many takes of them? I think I said like one. <laughs> they used baby oil on the bar 
but it uh, didn't really help slide Paige across the bar. It was mm. still it was still quite a struggle for Hager. Oh, his poor and Paige's poor stomach. I can only oh the burn. Uh, there was a downpour prior to when they finished the closing scene with the one winged angel off the big platform, and uh, the fire marshal was getting mad because of all the pyro and explosives. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they finished just after 5 a.m. on Saturday morning. And uh, the last note here is Santana came up with the idea of the Bubbly Bunch. And uh, the Flim Flam came from uh, Jericho just observing his daughters doing, like, TikTok dances. But it's not going to happen. He's still trying to make fetch happen. Yeah. I, I thought this was a really great uh, podcast, actually. I I also really loved when Jericho pointed out that like they walked into the stadium and Kenny was the only one to see like the small bell up in like the corner and go, Oh, Bell, somebody's gonna get their bell rung. And like that was his whole contribution. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, That's the first thing you notice. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's- this eagle eye Kenny Omega just sees this tiny bell way up in the way up in the corner of a sixty thousand seat stadium. Yeah, because Jericho's like, oh, there's the goalpost and like all the stuff in the field, and Kenny Omega looks up and goes, oh, someone's gonna get their bell rung. <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. Uh, one other news note, and Megan, I'm afraid that it is about Adam Cole. Oh no! Now this is not for sure, but like I just wanted to give you this update because. We did talk about Adam Cole last week and how I thought he's coming. So there was some speculation about his contract this past week. And, you know, because it is coming up on three years of his debut in NXT. Mm -hmm. And Mike Johnson of PW Insider said that he has over 18 months left on his deal because he renegotiated it at some point and signed an extension. Oh, come on, Adam. I assume well before this, though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, but God, I mean, you'd think that you had to know it was coming, you know, by the time he would have signed. Well, as you said, everybody's like, well, it's not a thing until it happens. And Adam Cole. Don't don't you think like he would have called Matt or something and said like, hey, what's going on? I mean, maybe, but also the (laughs) the guaranteed payday. I I can't fault uh, him. And there yeah. are people, you know, and we know from, like, listening to plenty of wrestling podcasts over the years that there are people who it's just, like, WWE is the dream, WWE is the goal, like, you know, because it's, like, imprinted on them from childhood. This is where they want to be, so. And I I have to assume that NXT is slightly more fun creatively than, like, you're in WWE, but also you're in, like, the cool part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he more than anyone really benefited from NXT getting its own show on network mm-hmm. because I feel like they would have brought him up to SmackDown or raw by this point, but because NXT needs yeah. to star, they kept him in the undisputed era on yeah, and now they're so. the stars of that show. Yeah. So like, I think he's the primary winner of and no one else of the NXT cable show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the potentially sad Adam Cole news. Well, I hope that that means he won't renegotiate anything else. You know, he'll he'll ride it out with the knowledge that AEW is up and running and it's stable 
And I assume there's a place for him if he wants one. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. I would hope. Like his, his best friends are like, or not his best friends, but his, his good friends are EVPs and his girlfriend's a star there. So Yeah. So when he's ready, I think they'll be there for him. And, you know, maybe it will end up being a better time because, like, right now, I don't know. It's COVID. It's, yeah, you know, and they haven't really been making money. So if this contract was up, like, within the next month, could they really have given him, you know, the deal that WWE would have given him? I think for Adam Cole, you do. Well, but what if it's truly just not there? Oh, I mean, then yeah, you don't. But I mean, because like, they've had no income or hardly any income coming in. They just well, they've had the TV money coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, at this time there is something to be said of diversifying your uh, household income. So, like, if he and Britt are <laughs> both part of the same company and bad stuff happens, it's bad. But if he's over at WWE and that's she's true. here, you know, yeah. she true. also has her dentist practice. That's also true i'm you know i'm just saying like maybe the extension wasn't terrible and i don't think it's like gonna prevent him from going to aew it's just gonna prevent him from going there as soon as we had hoped right all right guys well uh let me just tell you what's gonna be on dynamite next week and uh we'll get out of here it's kenny omega and hangman page mega hung defending the AEW Tag Team titles against the Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. It's Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, La Sex Gods versus Best Friends, and if La Sex Gods win, they get to be number one contenders for the tag titles. We've got the Young Bucks versus uh, Superbad Death Squad, Superbad Suicide Squad. <laughs> Death they, squad. They, probably, they probably can't call it Suicide Squad. Oh, that's right. You're right. That's true. They, they show that movie too much on TNT. Uh, versus uh, Sabian and Havoc. Uh, MJF versus Billy Gunn and Cody Rhodes. This is uh, this is official. This is from Tony Khan's, twi- Khan's Twitter. Cody Rhodes will defend the TNT title. So. Did they say against who? No, no. I think it is going to be like an open challenge kind of thing. Okay. But yeah, so... Another week in the books for uh, All Elite Wrestling, and uh, we'll get back at you next week. Until then, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thank you for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.